Welcome to the Draft Champions podcast. We have um, we have here two um, replacements. Thanks. And then neither <laughs> of them neither of them are named Keanu Reeves. Um, we got um, Dave McDonald, Jake Halisker. Yeah, good to be your backups, baby. How you doing? No problem. Hey, I'm doing great. We got Graham here too. Shrimp boat. Yo, what's up? We got the yeah, shrimp boater. Captain. Yep. Um, the the boat lock himself. <laughs> Is there right a colonel here too? The colonel. Right oh yeah, we should bring that back. I wouldn't even be that upset if Boatlock stuck. That's pretty funny. Boatlock. I mean, he, he, call, he introduced I'm, you as Boatlock too. I'm weird. exclusively calling you that from now. I was like, I wonder how long it's going to take him to notice. And the answer was forever because he did not notice, and you had to point it out to him, and it was quite funny. <laughs> well, we had planned. Me and Graham had planned to have um, our good friend Matt Cufferly on the show from FTN, and. Um, he couldn't come. We got, we got the Rotosaurus here. The we're, replacement. We're going to use the same agenda that we had for Matt. <laughs> so don't so don't blame us if we're uh, unprepared because we are. We are we are unprepared. We, can, we, we happen to we, we happen blame, to be. We just, just got to be cognizant that they they are unprepared. We can still blame them. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, I do get blamed a lot anyway, so uh, that, that's that's uh, the huge. So what we what we plan on talking about was uh, some some pit, basically pitchers pitchers that we um, that we got right and we're gonna look we're gonna reflect on why we got them right pitchers we missed on why we got them wrong and um, some pitchers that are even more under the radar that we that we that we, that we couldn't even miss on that they're just uh, came they sort of like emerged so that that's that, that's that's really our agenda we're gonna talk about um, a little bit like just reflecting on the season so far. Um, in terms of fab, like our regrets and like, like how, if we would change fab, how we would, pro, how we would approach fab anymore. And um, that's going to tie in a little bit with uh, closers um, as well. So um, let's get, let's, let's get started here. Um, I do have some, um, I don't want, I don't want to prolong the episode with too much chit chat and small talk, but I do have, we've had some fun facts on the show and um, um They've been quite. Uh, some of them been some of them been well received. Some of them haven't been well received. But um, I got a couple of fun facts I've, been, I've prepared just uh, while we were um, cordially talking before we started recording. So for those of you who can't see, Zach has a shit eating grin like ra- rapidly appearing on his face. So you know this is going to be bad. <laughs> yeah, they're bad. Like I don't even like these might not even make it into the final cut. <laughs> some of them, some of them, some of them, some of them have been tame. But um, I don't know. We'll Would you say that these takes all... were pre-written and not off the cufferly? Boom roasted. I'm sorry. You're uh, almost a dad. And you already got the dad jokes down. Oh yeah. You, and judge, judging my guy's reaction to to these, uh, I'll have to decide whether or not I want to keep them in this podcast because I don't want to. I don't want to be canceled. I, I don't want to be canceled. Like, <laughs> Dave's got his thumb ready. Like I'm ready. He's like he's like uh, the guy in Gladiator right now. He's like he's like either going to do the thumbs down or the thumbs up, whether or not they can, whether or not these uh, fun facts can stay in the podcast. Because I don't want to be canceled. Like I enjoy your guys' camaraderie. I do. Um, I do want to remain friends with everyone in the fantasy baseball community, and I don't want to be canceled. So um, sometimes you don't know when you're going to be canceled. And, Lies. He 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 fucking doesn't care. He, he yeah, wants- you said everyone. That's pretty uh, absolute. <laughs> what what about everyone? What did I say? You said you want to be friends with everyone. Is that true? No, it's not. Hundred <laughs> percent not true. No, no chance. But, he still um, has that shit eating grin on his face. Oh yeah, I'm ready. The thumb is ready. Caesar is ready. 
Okay. I got three of them because um, usually I like to get five in, but I only had three because I had whatever. The first one can definitely stay in. The next two might not. The next, the second and third might not have to, might not um, stay in because they, they might be cancelable. All right. So uh, fun fact number one. I just had uh, John Posma on the podcast. Excellent player. He's basically in first place in every single one of his 12 team leagues that he's, that he's in. Guy is like an NFBC beast. He's awesome. Um, he seems signed up into a, in a league run. The 11 other guys in these leagues have basically no shot. <laughs> if you include Aaron Boone, I haven't seen 11 guys with this much false hope of being successful in a year since I looked at the New York Yankees starting lineup. Boom, rested. The last week, definitely. I, I'm good with anything that makes fun of the Yankees. Perfect, yeah. Yankees are Yankees are terrible. They've got no shot. Trash. Okay, that was number one. That was, that's sort of we, like this. We are not upset about that at all, by the way. Nope. Not I want to be upset about that. That's, some, that's your warm-up pitch. Okay, I'm okay. trying to think of whether. Okay, this one. This one's next. Okay, pitchers list uh, had preseason rankings, and they had Corbin Burns ranked below Blank Snell in their starting pitcher rankings preseason. Oh boy, I haven't seen when someone ranked so egregiously low on a pitchers list ranking since I was at the bottom half of Mikey Ajado's bad person bracket. Oh, <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Yeah, nope. that's not so bad. I don't know if there was a sponsored bracket, but you can. I mean, like, I don't know if it was. I, I don't know if did that was that like a, a pitcher's list affiliated bracket because he does he does um he doesn't write for he's not a fantasy guy, but he does somehow write for pitchers. I don't. Know. So I think it's some they're they're linked. So I think the joke works. I, I think so too. Unfortunately, it's acceptable. Um, that's acceptable. Okay. It was it was a very unfortunate idea that he had. Uh, it was it was hilarious to see good guys like you and uh, Matt Williams on there. Uh, I was like, okay. I mean, like amongst Aubrey, Aubrey and Zach Zach told all of us to vote for him uh, so that he would win in the most terrible white guy contest. <laughs> but uh, he did not, unfortunately. Whoever I was, I was able to get it in. The votes were up for a little while. Yeah, I got Aubrey my vote. In. Never made it into that bracket. Like that's a snub. Like if you, if you talk about all star snubs, like that was a pretty big snub. I don't even like to talk about Aubrey House because he's such a pile of shit and he wants everybody's attention. And I just don't True. want to. Let's not talk about him. I agree. I agree. All right. Ready for the third fun fact? Yep. All right. There's been a lot of discussion on whether <laughs> should be discussed from a fantasy perspective. Bringing up his name could get you into trouble. Like maybe now. Jesus Christ. Hmm. You can't put that in, man. Yeah, you're going to cut that one out. Wait, friends with... Either either isn't good. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Jesus. That no. is... That is... Uh... No. <laughs> so that's the thumbs down? You can't do... Yeah, I'm I'll... telling you, you can't... Say anything more because I might not cut it. So... <laughs> so... Uh... No. Oh God. <laughs> Bad idea. Please we cut definitely, it. We definitely don't want our reactions in there. That's yeah, I don't want I don't want to be in there. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll cut it. <laughs> yes. I don't want to dude, I don't want to be canceled. I'm I I I'm sure I'll, it'll happen naturally on its own anyhow. Okay, fine. I, I if you if you tell me to cut it, I will cut it. Oh my god. <laughs> I, I was I was thinking of the wrong podcast. It got so much worse when I figured out which one you were referring to. That, that's probably one of your best written ones, but that is not a good idea. Correct. The funny the funny you're, thing you're is they both work. Do, yeah, I know they yeah. both do they both do work. They do. Um, but much, much worse for sleep. Yeah. 
yes, like much worse. <laughs> That's why I said like these like <laughs> like you might have to I might have to edit that one out. Moving on, and we're probably gonna splice it back in now. So you're coming back. You're you're coming back after we've edited out that third fun fact. Um, and um, the fun fact did involve um, a starting pitcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers, but we're gonna we're gonna move on from that and um, and talk about to the meat and potatoes of our episode. We're gonna talk about some some of the starting pitchers that uh, reflecting on some of the starting pitchers from this year. Um, um, and um, yeah, I, and we and I think people have heard enough about Trevor Bauer. There were some uh, like um, actually I do have to mention that. Um, Matt Williams and, and Brian Seymour had a great podcast about them. They, they did talk about some of the injury risks and talking about some of the, and talking about what you can and can't say in terms of um, victory laps and injuries. So um, I'd recommend that. Um, if you have Yeah. Both had really it. valid points and it was a very good discussion with great flow. I mean, the, the guys clearly work really well together, even though they've only been I, I together love, in two episodes. Yeah. I, I love them together. And I, I loved it. I love the idea of it. And now hearing them together, I love it even more. Like they're, yeah. I think they're perfect together. Um, they have very differing styles that that mesh well together. And uh, yeah, that I mean, obviously, it's uh, that topic is near and dear to Jake and I's heart. But uh, even regardless of what pot, like what episode they do, I think there's, it's going to be good stuff. I told I told Brian, I'm, I'm glad you actually in and said you you said what you felt and you were logical about it. You were responsible yeah. and and um, yeah, not everyone's going to agree with it, but. Um, I think it's, I think what he said was made a lot of sense. And I think it's just uh, a lot of people, a lot of people feel like the need to tiptoe around that topic. Um, yeah, and, and that's what I hate. I, I hate that we can't talk about injury risk, like as if it doesn't exist because I, it does exist. I don't, I don't, I mean, if you can believe whatever you want to believe, but, uh, I mean, I, I know for a fact that it exists. If you, if you want it, if it makes you feel better at night to keep thinking that it's all just bad luck when a guy gets hurt. You know, sometimes it is, but uh, there's a lot of times where it's not. And there's ways that you can evaluate injury risk to see this stuff coming. And people just don't want to acknowledge that. And every time a guy gets injured, anything that's not, oh, you know, hopes and prayers, I hope he gets better. Like, it's just stupid. Like, we're, we're, we're in an industry where we have to talk about things like this. And I love that there's other people who are on, on board with that and saying, hey, this is something we need to talk about. This is a thing. Um, yeah, that's uh, it's it's always bothered me. It's, yeah, we're, we're in the industry of it's it is a form of gambling. I think there's a lot of yeah. skill involved, but there's also a lot of of luck involved. And when you're when you're gambling, I wouldn't say this is 100 gambling. There's a lot of risk assessment that you need to need to do when you're gambling, like risk assessment in terms of what contest you're going to enter, and risk assessment in terms of performance risk. But but health is also a big thing. And that's that's something that I've, I think I, I spoke to Dave, um, I spoke to you offline as recently. I said, like, that's one of the things that you've really helped me with this year. And you and Jake and listen to your S podcast. And, and you guys have really helped me understand the health risks and stuff like that, which is a huge thing. And I'm still... I'm still learning with all of my risk assessment and I've, I still, I think I still need to work on some of the, I call it extrapolation risk when you're extrapolating what you see in the minor leagues, the major leagues and what you, what you see in, in like maybe a part season and maybe you take, maybe I've taken some more risks that way. And that's something I need to look at in the off season. But I think the health risks, I think, um, I think that like, it's, I think you've helped me a lot in terms of like, avoid, like just sort of staying, steering clear of certain players, certain profiles. I think uh, I want to highlight something you said very first there, Zach. You said um, 
that this is not exactly gambling because there's more to it than that. And the, the, the forefathers of the fantasy industry years ago fought the government's regulation of fantasy sports uh, when the governments want to wanted to link it in with gambling and just rule it, you know, uh, categorize it the same way in terms of uh, taxation and, and classifying it in terms of tax code, things like that, and, and its legality in different states. And, and that, that war was won years ago. So anybody that still calls this strictly gambling, gambling and we're just, you know, be, uh, you know, uh, you know, betting on the horses when we do this stuff and it's all up to chance once our money's out of our hands. I mean, that, that's just foolish and that shows that they're not educated. No, um, and I mean, you, you see the same guys winning year in and year out. I mean, I, I count on this as part of my income. I, right. I, I, I win money every year playing fantasy baseball. If you think that that's luck, I, I don't know what to tell you. Like This is an it, investment. It's a lot of work. It's hard yeah. work and it's it's knowing what to look at and, and how to, uh, how to construct a roster, how to manage risks, um, you know, and how to analyze players. That's the part of the game that I'm still trying to improve at, but it's absolutely a game of skill. Uh, is there luck involved? Sure. But where isn't luck involved? I mean, you could, you could have the best team in baseball playing the worst team. The worst team will still beat the best team every once in a while because luck is always a factor as well, but it's absolutely a game of skill. Sure. There's luck all over, all over your life, your job, your family, your health. I mean, there, there's always luck in everything, but sure. it's, as you said, it's a lot of work that goes into it and then just classifying it as luck. And it's always people that are outside it that yeah. don't want to take the time to understand it, that are saying things like that. When, uh, when, when the whole incident went down with that Dodgers pitcher that you've been referring to, uh, it, there was so much backlash from people outside the fantasy community when, yeah, it was nobody cares about your fantasy team even suggested that we should think about the, the fantasy ramifications, which I get talking about it publicly uh, in, a, in an open forum like Twitter, where other people can see it that might be offended by it or, or have, you know, past trauma with it. it. It's hard for them to see. But that's kind of like our medium of expression right now, other than podcasts. And not everybody listens to our podcast. You, you, you talk to more people generally through Twitter than your podcast, unless you unless you got a big time show. Yeah. So when we're investing thousands of dollars, and you know, I have that guy on, I have Bauer on teams that I am very heavily invested in monetarily. I have to think about it, and you know, it, it sucks that this has even happened. Um, but I I still have to think about it in terms of its effect on my life and, and, you know, my family's well being. you know, I, I've invested a lot of money into this stuff. You it's have not, to be able to talk about it and you have to be able to, you know, like, like Eric Cross answering a question from a, someone asking a question about power. You have to do these things. Like you can't ignore this just because he did something terrible. Like you can do both. You can say he's a terrible human being, but I still have to consider the fantasy implications because I have thousands of dollars on the line and I can't just ignore a guy and pretend like he's not in the player pool. You can't do that shit. And that's not to say that you can't say, hey, I, I don't want to draft guys like that. I don't want to yeah. deal with guys like that. That's fine. And Matt, that's, Matt that's Williams personal preference. That. Yeah, Matt yeah. Williams won't draft anybody who he knows is a scumbag. But there's, fine. there's respect, a lot of – I respect that. That's fine. Yeah, he doesn't want to root for him. But he also doesn't play high stakes like we do. Like he's not entering a $2,500. for money. He's not playing for – the, the no, but I mean, he's not, he's not playing a $2,500 entry fee league, you know, like, I mean, and I'm not minimizing that at all, but I'm just saying like, 
I can't yeah. afford to ignore guys. I just and maybe can't. if he did, someone's going to benefit from him. He would cater his strategy not to, so he wouldn't have to deal with Trevor ba- drafting Trevor Bauer. Yeah. Right, he would, exactly. he take a different route. He's planning for it, and he's made that decision. There's a lot of there's completely viable. That's, that's he, totally he, fine. He's, you know? he's probably saying there's a lot of paths to win, and yeah. my path is not going to include Trevor Bauer, which is fine. And that's well, we, we, that didn't, be fair, we didn't know he was this <laughs> level scumbag before this year. That, well, now, now moving this forward, is sure. like I think it's bad luck if you had Trevor yeah. Bauer. That's for bad sure. luck. That's for luck. Sure. That's that's not the gambling aspect of this is bad luck. And it's, it's unfortunate that the unsilent minority on, on Twitter can sort of bully people into thinking they should need to be quiet or or not say certain things. That's, that's what I think. I like, it really is just an unsilent minority. I think because I've I've talked to a number of people offline and maybe it's just my bias being in the, in the fantasy world of higher stakes, high ish stakes that, Everyone I've talked to privately, um, when I ask about like the fantasy implica- implication of Trevor Bauer, they're interested. And if if I ask them like, do you not want to talk about Trevor Bauer? They, they say I don't give a shit. Like we need to. It's, this is something that needs to. This is something that needs to be discussed from from our point of view. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's not trying to minimize you know the the woman uh, who was violated ex- her experience at all. But you have to be able to do both. You have to be able to look at both the fantasy implications and the real life implications but that's not my realm like i'm not the morality police i i i feel for her i you know all the facts aren't out yet i don't know the whole story but regardless it seems like she's you know it's not a a good situation for her obviously and and i'm not saying that bauer is innocent but i still have to be able to discuss his fantasy implications as well yeah you know there's a lot of things that that trigger me uh uh that, that that aren't this and like this be this is a fantasy game and like i separate this from i separate it from reality and, yeah. and this is just a game and yeah. and there's a completely different mindset when you're thinking about things in real life but basically he's just uh he's just a player's name that 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 that, that has that has stats assigned to him yes. and that's all it is just the way that like i don't own trevor bauer correct i don't, I don't own him i don't i don't i don't own him as a person and i don't have any right. i don't have any like i don't have any care for what he does in his personal life i just care about his stats so in the same way that i could say i own trevor bauer shares which like you got to be stupid to think that like i actually like own trevor bauer and he's sitting in a cage in my basement um <laughs> like, yeah, there's some people who hate that term oh like i own this player like you're really trying really hard to get upset about something. Like, obviously that's not what we mean. Like, we just, like not a, he's not like on a hamster wheel in my basement. Like, yeah, like my we're, in a, we're in a league where one person has the rights to that player's stats that are, that are accumulated and then put onto your team. That's all it means. Like, stop, yeah. <laughs> stop trying to look into this as if it's uh, something more than that. Yeah. Nice, nice try, but you can come like try again. You guys you ever know, think about teams as like, portfolios like i think of fantasy often like about like trading in the markets so like a team's like a fund right like you can have an ethically traded fund that doesn't invest in like yeah that's true what mm-hmm. like shit that exploits minerals in like, africa because that's Chick-fil-A not ethical or something like and that. yeah yeah you can you can go yeah. that way yeah but i i just think of it as like my team is my portfolio of assets that perform versus other people's portfolios yeah and 
Bauer happens to be a piece of shit, but he puts up really good numbers when he is pitching. And, and the I, funny thing is, people, I need that, those. people that say the things that they say about us for perhaps owning somebody that's less than desirable of a human being, they probably do invest in the stock market in a number of companies that are mistreating their employees in some way, shape, or form, or they, have, they don't have every understanding about every business practice that that company has but you know if it performs well and it makes them money they're they're probably okay with it and there are a select few that aren't that way but most people probably yeah. unless they're doing something egregious they're they're not going to care that much and you're not going to know and i mean even even if you just look at athletes so many athletes so many are athletes. garbage people they're garbage <laughs> human beings that do shitty things they just don't come to light you don't fucking know you you could have several of them on your team and you just don't know because nothing's come out yet but i mean and, and the same thing with corporations yeah like you don't know what their business practices are i mean maybe in some cases you do but i doubt you know every business practice of every single company that you invest in it's it's just a slippery slope where if we start like looking at the morality of this it's there's too much to consider and you just you can't do this shit yeah i've been told that i have selective like hearing sometimes and i think <laughs> some people have selective like righteousness so like they just yeah. choose they want to be righteous about certain things like Trevor Bauer is one of the things just because like they had they, they, people already hated him for how he acted right and because he was, and I, and, and I think that he's a nail on the it's head. it's so Arrogant. much it's so much easier to empathize with a person you know we were we or or to or to dislike a person's qualities because we we were talking about the stock market and these companies you know you can't empathize with a company you can't uh, I don't know you can't feel the same way about the things a company does, I think, than a person. When there's a face attached to it, there's a name, there's a backstory. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just, maybe that's just conjecture. I, I, I feel there's a real disconnect there. I agree. No, and Bauer also kind of, man, when, I got to choose my words. When you do shit like this, when you act the way he acted previously, like, it, not that it's difficult to hate on someone who does what he allegedly did but he certainly didn't help himself with his persona and the way he marketed himself and branded himself to the right. world because people people had already you know they were kind of waiting for him to do something stupid like exactly this, something evil yeah like people were already triggered by trevor Brown. right exactly yeah. and it's it's the same thing in the fantasy industry some guys can get away with saying whatever the fuck they want i mean you know our friend Vlad Sedler, he can say anything at any time. I love Vlad. He could say we, all, we all love Vlad, but that's the thing, right? Because everybody loves Vlad, so he can get away with fucking anything. Like he can Vlad say could, anything. Vlad could kick my dog if he wanted to. I love him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so can, I don't have a dog. but Vlad can do no wrong. If I say the exact same thing that Vlad says, I have a firestorm coming after me. It's 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 people are selective with who they want to get upset with. But it's also um it's also tact in how you um like convey your thoughts for sure and, and vlad's like you talked about vlad i think vlad's very good in terms of like how he like um communicates like he's very much like he's very affable and um like he, like even if he wants to say something like sort of like controversial or funny he does it in a way where like it doesn't really like rub anyone the wrong way i think he's careful with how he sort of like um says things or he, or some people or maybe he's not maybe just some people just have that like um 
built I think into them. He, I think he, that's part of it. I think he also has a lot of goodwill built up. I think people, there's just some people. But why that, does he have the goodwill built up? Because the, I don't know. Because I, of how he yeah. acts and how he, how he how he communicates, how he does, how he. I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. yeah. And it's also about what you don't react to as well. I think he yeah. like, I think he also does a good job of not responding to things and like someone like. That's very true. Maybe myself, like, like maybe just. Or like, me. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we just respond to things and like. Yep. It's, it, maybe it comes down come down to maybe just he doesn't give a shit about like the 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 minutia that some people get that get like drawn into right. Um, 100%. I, I I know that I get drawn into shit and I respond to everything and I I know that that's just who I am. It's a character flaw, but um yeah, it's it's hundred percent that Vlad doesn't like when he gets trolled. He just you know whatever doesn't even respond and that's that's probably the best way to handle it. Yeah, so, like I think, I think that is obviously the best way is not to get drawn into these things. Like, wh- why do you yeah. think Toby doesn't respond to anything in our chat? <laughs> <laughs> because he's like, because he's smart and he's like that. Because he's just like everyone. Everyone loves Toby because he doesn't doesn't say anything that's gonna. He's, he's very calculated. That's for sure. Well, the th- the thing is, Toby will just show up, talk smack, and then leave. Like that's like he's got these hit and run tactics. Um, his, his smack is is PG. His snack is PG smack. I mean, yeah, um, but him and George, I sometimes forget are even in our chat because <laughs> I mean, like, and then there's Derek Butcher who, uh, you know, anytime he hears NFBC, he just comes in like, hey, you want me to create a league for you guys? All right, I'm on it. <laughs> He's just got notifications on keywords. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, but the thing, the thing with me is like, I don't really, like, I'll say what I want to say because I'm, I think some people maybe are just, Maybe I'm trying to wear this. I'll just talk about myself. I, I'm comfortable with myself knowing what right from wrong. And maybe I don't know. Maybe some people would say, I don't know. Like maybe I'll say something that's offensive to some people. And maybe people, people think that I don't know right from wrong because of that. But you I know like fun fact number three that you cut out. Like, yeah, like that. <laughs> like exactly. That's, that's going to get cut out like, because like, it, honestly, it's a joke. And like some people I might know. not take it as a joke. So I'll, ta- I'll take it out. But um, um, like sort of, it's sort of like, uh, listening to um, um, Jim Jeffries, right? Jim like, Jeffries. Like, I was just gonna say it's Jim Jeffries. It's a Jim well, Jeffries. It's like it's yeah. like it's like yeah, you're towing the line, but like you got to remember it's comedy, right? It's just like, right. you're not you're not you're not an evil person because you're saying like you're you're talking about a sensitive topic. Anything can be joked about, and that's sort yeah. of my my point of, point of view. And I know right from wrong, and I can talk about, and I feel like I can talk about Trevor Bauer because I'm not gonna do like I'm not gonna do what he did. So like I know what, and I you're know, not. No, right I know what he did was wrong. If okay, if he, I know what what he allegedly did was wrong. So I can still talk about that, and because other people get triggered about that, not my problem. Like to be yeah. honest, um, like I I'm triggered about things that you might not even think I am, right? Um, because you just don't know me. And I, I can't you can't tiptoe around life and just not talk about and you can't just pretend stuff away. Yep, hundred percent still going to be there yeah and that's and that pretty much exactly what you said is is how i feel you know like i know right from wrong i'm not doing those things i'm not condoning those things um i don't think talking about his fantasy implications has anything to do with condoning his actions allegedly yeah and if people want to assign if people that i don't know want to assign me to condone those actions just because i talk about trevor Barr from a fanny's perspective that's their problem go nuts yeah. like really like I, like you don't know me so yeah like exactly i'm comfortable enough with myself that it's fine if people like want to be that naive to think that anyways you want to talk about some fantasy shit yeah let's get into it all right is that why we're here 
No, nope. let's talk. Let's talk about some players. We, let's, let's talk about some players that, like, first of all, that we that that not like I, when I say we, I'm gonna I'm not gonna talk about. I'm not talking about myself specifically or any of you guys, but like just globally, like players that people that were that were on and players were moving up boards that people got right. And why do you think we got them right? Um, one of them, uh, I'll start off with is Freddie Peralta. A lot of people, um, well, quite frankly, his ADP was not anywhere near as high as it, like, as it was come time, come main events throughout most of the draft season in my draft season was October through March. I'd say October through February, you could get him post pick 300 because you didn't know because his role was role was unclear. But as the main event um, season came up, came up, um, he started moving up into the 100s. Um, I think low 200s, and then then once the main events started to, um, once you started getting into the, the main events that were closer to the season, he was like in the mid to mid 100s. So he's a guy that um, um, people were uh, afraid of the, the his role. I think. So why do you? Th- why do you think he was sort of someone that a lot of people were able to identify as someone that could be very good for your team? It's just the, the fact of people were enamored with his skills for years. I mean, he, he'd been tantalizing us for three seasons before that. And it was really a matter of his walk rate was pretty bad. Well, it, it was, it was below Not average. To bad, it but... wasn't bad. It was around hovering around four, four and a half. And, it was really, uh, okay. I mean, he had, he had strikeout stuff. His fastballs played up way better than a lot of other pitchers just because he had multiple ways he could manipulate his fastball. Um, people were just tantalized with the talent and they were dreaming on what could be if, if Freddie Peralta put it all together and Freddie Peralta's finally putting it all together. I, I was totally enamored with drafting him at his late price just because we didn't have the certainty as to his role and I, going after round 20 in a 15 team league. I mean, I'm all about taking shots like that there when his role became a little more secure or the writing was on the wall that he was in the rotation um, because I think Lauer was hurt at the beginning of the year, something like that. That sounds right. I mean, every, all of his stands came out of the woodwork. I mean, they were, they were drafting him like gangbusters that last week of mains there, there was no way I was touching him going, at like, it was something like 150, 170 he was going at. And I, I couldn't even fathom making him my third or fourth starter. That just seemed absurd to me because he'd shown no ability to be consistently efficient despite his high K numbers. He was an inefficient, inefficient pitcher that showed no ability to go deep into games. And he's just out of the blue, put it all together this year. Granted, he has a 178 BABIP, so that's surely a, a bit of an outlier, but I mean, his, his stands are loving it right now, for sure. A lot of people were, were afraid of um, how they were going to manage his innings and how they're going to manage his innings, like not just overall within the season, within like the start by start. Like they're thinking like he's going to be pulled in the fourth inning a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean. Because that's what they've done in the, the past. The Brewers do that. I mean. They're the yeah. second worst team with that. Even even Woodruff, uh, that was the one concern we had. I mean, we loved, well, Jake didn't, but uh, the rest of our group loved Woodruff uh, because he had all the skills, but the problem was the Brewers. We were like, okay, are they going to let him go, you know, seven, eight innings more often? Like, or is he going to be more of a five to six inning guy? Um, when it came to Peralta, though, it was more that he, you know, he pitched under 100 innings in 2019, and then in 2020, he pitched 29 innings. Uh, and also in 19 and 20, they kept jerking him around between, you know, um, he, he was mostly a reliever. He only had nine starts between the last two seasons. So, 
it was like, are they going to actually leave him in? Is he going to get enough innings? Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of questions there, but I guess ultimately the, I guess the, the lesson to be learned is that if, if you're that talented, when you're taking him at a late enough point where, you know, you can afford to take a shot, it's worth, it's worthwhile to do, but it certainly wasn't someone that you could say definitively, like, this is my number, you know, three starter and I can depend on him because you'd be lying. I mean, he's, become that but you couldn't have done that and again he's at 98 innings now how many innings do we think he ends up with this year like is he gonna are they gonna limit him at some point I mean coming off of 29 innings I feel like he's probably not going to you know pitch more than 150 yeah, yeah. I, I, I like I, like I said before we started recording I think just it's like especially in 15s it's so difficult to find like all the player analysis that we do and all the times that we're wrong on players, like I've been wrong on a lot of players this year. Yeah, um, like um, I, I wouldn't even start to mention them, but it's just so difficult to get those players right. Um, like you, you, you do get some right, but just like if you find a player that you're confident with that, that has a skill set, like uh, sometimes you just got to ignore, like I'm, like I'm new, I'm newer to this than you guys are, so you can comment, but like sometimes you just got to ignore like factors like innings and like the, the transition from a relief pitcher to starter because we've seen a lot of people be successful like Mike Miner um, is one that I can remember like in prior years and just like platoons like Winker like he's a, like like if you if you believed in Winker like he like just because he might uh, there's no NLDH like that was something that straight swayed me away from him it's just like if you find a player that you believe in their skill set it's hard to pass on them, I think. What do you think about that comment? It's funny because just when you said, uh, who did you just say? The reliever who became the starter that wasn't probably Mike Miner? Mike Miner. There's been other examples. My, yeah, remember. my brain just went to CJ Wilson. Remember him? Yeah. Mm, yeah. And there's been other guys that, uh, that <laughs> recently, um, there's another guy that, that reminds me of Miner um, that was a reliever that was very successful as a starter. Um, uh, I can't, can't remember him right now, but keep going. I, I keep think going. The- the thing is, Peralta's stuff is so much better than those guys. I mean, Miner and uh, and CJ Wilson. I don't think they really have Freddie Peralta's stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you know, it sometimes just comes down to skills. Um, but you can only take so many shots like this, right? Like, you need to make sure you have a functional. You know, when you're constructing a roster, you need to make sure. Like, you can take shots like this, but you have to make sure that you're backing them up with guys that you can also depend on. And, you know, you can't take a shot on every guy. Uh, you know, as Justin Mason learned a couple of years ago in the main event, you can't just throw shit at the wall and hope that something sticks. Like you can, you can take a couple of shots if he's someone you really believe in um, mm-hmm. and good for you. If you did, I, I think he made a lot more sense in the 200 range, you know, when he was coming down past that, it, it became more difficult to, to take him at that time. Cause you're taking him out around the time of, of some guys that, you know, you're getting production from maybe don't have quite his upside, but uh, that, you know, guys that you can depend on. Right. So the Brewers said preseason that they wouldn't add a hundred innings to the previous season total, right? Like they right. were the, they yep. were that team. Yeah. Yes. They were the so only that, one that was really definitive about it. That's right. And yeah. Peralta threw 29 and a third last year. He's got to go more than that. Right. What's I mean, right so, yeah, that would put him on pace for 130. And that's I mean, what I'm saying. Like, I think it's they are, going more than 150. How many is they're, right they're in a playoff push. They're, they, they're going to totally go back. On he's that. got, he's got to go further than that. I think he's going to go further yeah. than 130. Yes. I don't they know. Might, they much. might work in other guys. I mean, they have Brett Anderson, they have Lauer, 
they're, right. they're, I mean, they already showed that they can work in multiple other guys and they will, I, I they might even do a bullpen game here and there to stretch those guys out because they, if they make the playoffs, what are they going to do? Bench all these guys. Yeah. It's funny. They let them, they, they only get in the playoffs <laughs> once every few years. So. It's funny. They both, they let both Burns and Peralta pitch in the all-star game though. <laughs> yeah. And, and Peralta was fucking sauce. He didn't he strike out every battery faced. Who gave him the home run to Vlad? Was that Burns? It was Burns, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and Peralta was good, right? Yeah, he, he mm-hmm. carved it up. And now I hate it because in weekly weekly lineups and stuff, like he's they, they didn't even declare his start this week. They said nuts. that he was gonna pitch this weekend, I thought. Did they? Yeah. I, well, they didn't give him like a date, but like I heard on some sort of news source that he's gonna he's gonna start his start was pushed it to next weekend, which is this weekend coming up. I worry it's going to be a mess to manage with weekly lineup locks with him. You have no idea when he's going to pitch down the stretch. Really? I think this week is kind of like blurry a little bit, but I think he's going to pitch this weekend. And then, yeah, they could skip him once or twice. It depends on, like depends what their playoff uh, lead looks like. I mean, they, can throw Brent, they can throw Brent Suter for four innings in a game and start him off, you know? Yeah, they could. I think like I think they used this. They pushed him back a little bit this week, so that's they, they took advantage of this a little bit. But um, I think it's going to be a lot like we talked about Graham. We talked about Tra- Trevor Rogers on the on the Marlins. Um, he like they already said that he's going to pitch another. He's got another eighty innings left, which is a lot. Like that's a lot of innings. Like how many yeah. did he pitch this the first half? It's like he's basically like eighty innings is enough for him to like probably make most of his starts. Well, he went 135 in 2019, Trevor Rogers, uh, between the uh, two minor league stops really? there. So I didn't know that. He, he's a little bit more built up um, than than Peralta is. Rogers, like that's a different situation, and that's that's the other guy that I wanted to say that like people were right on, but like it was more. I think that was more like spring training. Like I I became on it. I wasn't on him as much as I was like Peralta during the, the pre draft season. As Rogers, I, I became more um, I, I, I became more um, willing to draft him as like in March when I started to see him in spring training because something something was different. Now with with their situation, they said he's got 80 innings, but Marlins are like they're really hurting for the rotation. Like um, Pablo Lopez is out, um, Hernandez is out. Like they got nothing. They got they got a bunch of guys. Six Stone never came back. Yeah. Um, like Nider and Braxton Garrett, like they're okay. They're getting you some, they're, get, they're giving you some innings, but not like, not typically like what you'd expect from a rotation. And you got Alcantara who's been like sort of like the, the anchor and he's, he's out right now, but he'll be back. He's got like a medical, he's got a family. Um, he's uh, he's, he's not been that good since uh, the sticky stuff fan. That, that's true. So there, and has Rogers been worse? Like Rogers, like, I think his uh, last start was pretty blah, but well, he was facing the Nationals, who were just on yeah, fire, very hot since since Soto uh, post uh, home run derby has come back and, and regained his form. As as I mean, if you look at his first half numbers, it was pretty clear to see that a, a huge breakout was coming. It's like this guy is way too good to to have these pedestrian of numbers. Agreed. So yeah, Rogers is one of the guys that like I I think that um, I'm pretty confident that he's going to continue to be performing well in the second half and but i think the, i think the reason you'd, you'd be on him um preseason is a lot different than you would be on peralta i think what you saw from spring like in those spring training games like those 10 strikeout i think 
four or five innings, 10 strikeout games where he just like lights out in spring training and um, just, like him and Alcantara. I just like both of those guys, I became more in on in spring training. Alcantara was throwing a lot harder. Um, um, so like, how would you, like, is this, a, I guess the reason I'm asking this, um, how is this applicable for next year? Like, are, like our, 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 or what we saw in Trevor Rogers and Alcantara in spring training going to be something that's going to be applicable to us in, in evaluating players next year. I mean, I think with Rogers and, and Peralta, they just have electric stuff. I mean, watching Rogers pitch, it just, it looks like it pops. It, it looks really good. I mean, he hits 97, um, you know, from the left side, uh, he was going, I, I just looked up their ADPs from the last month leading up to drafts in the main events. Uh, Peralta was going like 185 and Trevor Rogers was going like 235 and uh, Tony and I actually drafted him in our main at 255. So oh my God. He, yeah, went, um, he went like 170 in mine. Yeah. I mean, I, I was on him, but he went, I took Urquidy in the 12th and he went almost immediately after that. And I said, I, there's no way I was taking him that high. There's so much variance with those guys. It really I, I took Rogers in my second main Graham. I think I took him like in the one, when, I can't. I can't remember, man. Twelfth round. Yeah. Twelfth round. I took him. Maybe. Trevor Rogers. Yeah. yeah. I took him before. I took him. I took him before Hernandez. I took both of them. That was that was the league. I took all four Marlins pitchers. You know, when when you get into that range, you're kind of just you're betting on talent uh, winning out. And I think that's the that's the main thing is um, looking for guys who have the right stuff and maybe with a slight pitch mix change and getting an opportunity to pitch uh i love trevor rogers this year um and i i don't know i i feel like it's really like the guys who are breaking out it's just the guys who have really good you know stuff and then and then they're getting the opportunity to, to pitch a lot of innings and so i, I kind of look at guys who are somewhat built up you know not necessarily guys who've pitched 150 plus innings but you know he was 135 in 2019 um it didn't scare me off as much as freddie peralta did uh and plus you know, I just like, like we mentioned before, the Brewers just don't let their guys go super deep into games. Whereas, um, and the, the Marlins with Pablo and with, with Rogers, they didn't let them really go deep into games. Alcantara, they did. They let him go like to around a hundred pitches, which is one of the reasons that I liked Alcantara was, um, he was, he was kind of their horse. Yeah. I, yeah. I really, I really grew on Alcantara, Alcantara um, throughout the draft season. I did, I was, I was basically avoiding him until March, and then once I started pitching in spring training, I think he added something, and in, in terms of velocity, and um, I became yeah more, more inclined to draft him. His ADP was 107, though. He was going ahead of uh, Pablo by about 10 picks. Yep. The really interesting thing that just came to me while you were talking there, Dave, is that both Peralta and Rogers had two electric pitches. Yeah. And what's really made them break out and pop is they've they've developed a consistent third. Yeah, and and something that you can't see coming necessarily, but you you draft them based on the fact that they've got two really good pitches and hope that they get at a third, you know, which is kind of like like Glasnow this year, you know, even though he's hurt now, which is why Jake and I were off of him, but he had such a great fastball and I believe his slider, right? Is his other elite pitch. No, he uh, developed the slider. Oh, his he developed was, the slider. Was his yeah, his was a curve, I believe. Curve, curve. Okay. Yeah. So he had really two really good pitches, but that was like he wasn't a finished product yet. You know, starters really need that third pitch. And so 
we don't know when they're going to add it. Even when they say they are, they don't necessarily do it. And, you know, I think you just want to invest in guys, especially guys who have a good fastball. If they've got a really good fastball, then their then their secondaries can play off of that. And See, I mean, that, Zach, that's both those guys. I go yeah. ahead, Jake. No, it's you, you're saying what what can we learn from this, you know, so we don't miss these things next year. And I, frankly, I I don't know if it's me being stubborn, but I I think being stubborn. When, yeah, usually when it comes to Peralta, I think I still wouldn't be comfortable drafting him where he was going. 185. Now, no. Well, yeah. I mean, him, my main, he went higher than that. He was at like 171. Like I, I, you know, I see him next to literally uh, Peralta, Trevor Rogers and Urquidy are juxtaposed in my main. And I took Urquidy over the two of them. I had Rogers and I'm looking at everybody else that went in like the five rounds after I had Rogers literally right after Urquidy, but I did not think anybody would jump Rogers. Uh, I had Peralta down a lot further than that, just because I had doubts about longevity doubts about him developing a third pitch. Cause that was the knock on him for, for quite a while too, is, you know, he had those fastballs and his, his, even his second pitch was pretty mediocre. I don't remember what it was at that time, but he, he never, he, he threw his fastballs like 70% of the time and just manipulated it. And, he was getting by with that. So I don't think I will learn very much from Peralta because I think I will still play it the same way. But do you uh, think maybe that, uh, I mean, because you're talking about Peralta with the 70% fastball, right? Yeah. That was probably more as a reliever though, right? No, that was with everything. Okay. That, that was that was the majority of what he threw. Man, well, like, I mean, like you see just a lot threw of, it different ways. You see a lot of young pitchers come up and they lean on their fastball a lot. And then usually in year two, they back off of it. But it wasn't year and, two for Peralta. That's the thing. Like you said, you know, okay. draft these guys and hope they develop a third pitch. This was year four for Peralta. I, okay. I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't going to draft him and hope that he developed the third pitch. He developed consistent efficiency and that the Brewers were not going to yank him around and that he had a defined role. I mean, there were too many variables there for me. Yeah, there's, it's a and, lot. and there's always a stand in every draft uh, for a guy like that. There are guys yeah. that have been enamored with Freddie Peralta since he was in the minors. And, you know, his, his stuff is still as tantalizing as, a, as it ever was. Right. So he was going to get drafted. Now, Rodgers, I do feel worse about Rodgers because that's a guy that I liked, but I just wasn't prepared to draft him in the 12th round. Sure. It was, I mean, I would have loved to have gotten them where you got them in your main. See the 15 pick wasn't yeah. 15 pick wasn't all bad for you. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty fucking terrible, but that was one of the lone bright spots. I mean, I'm looking at everybody that went after those guys. It's like Soroka, Gonsolin, Herman, who I liked, but I didn't like in the 13th round. Uh, Pineda, I mean, uh, Zach Gallon, who was injured, like so many of those guys I wanted nothing to do with Rogers would have, been my next guy so that does kind yeah, of me. we took him in the 17th round yeah the thing with the thing with peralta was he added the slider last year in 2020 right and he He's never fooling had around pitch. with it but it wasn't a terribly effective pitch though okay um if i remember correctly i don't know i don't know i just know that he, he, they, he threw it, he only threw it four percent of the time uh this year he's up to 27 20 so. and according to fan graphs he had 24 percent of the time in 2020 I'm on uh, that's what it says. Yeah. Yeah. When Wait. he came up, he was what? fastball curveball, right? And he threw like, like he was 80, 80% fastball. I remember his, his yeah. debut was, I think it was against the Rockies and he struck out like 13, 16, 13 guys. And he was just like insane. Just, and everyone's like, this guy is not even throwing super hard, 
and he's like striking all these guys on just as fastball. Right. And last year he's a reliever and he's, and he, and he, he was, he was incredible last year in 2020 uh, as a relief pitcher, but he added the slider. So I'm saying, I'm thinking like if he can do that as a starter, like that's the thing is like, can you make the transition from a relief pitcher to a starter? Because if he can with that arsenal, then that like, he's got a high ceiling and a pretty high floor too. Yeah. It wasn't even like Woodruff who throws, you know, tons of fastballs, but they're four seams, they're two seams or they're, they're sinkers. They're, they're legitimately different pitches. Peralta would just take his four seam and manipulate it all over the place in 2019, the year that he pitched the most innings, I believe he threw it 78% of the time and he threw that curve 20%. And that was it. That was his offerings. Like, I, I don't know, man. And I, I just can't, uh, I can't reconcile that with myself. I can't reconcile making him my fourth starting pitcher in a league that I'm paying $1,700 for. Uh, I, I um, can't argue with that at all. I, I had to see it first. Easier, I think so, it's much easier to, to draft guys like that in like a 12 where if it doesn't right. work out, you can drop Replacement them. value's higher. He's probably yeah. your sixth or seventh guy. Yeah. He's going in the 17th, 18th round at that point. Yeah. So I, I, I drafted him. I drafted Peralta in one main and I drafted Roger in another main. And then I saw, like, as the main started to... How many mains do you have, Zach? Two. Okay. So, yeah, I have two. The first one I got Peralta in, and then the next one I got Rogers in. Uh, the one my Peralta main is doing a lot better than my Rogers main. Um, but um, I saw that Ray Murphy was in uh, one of the... He set, like, the main on a Freddie Peralta. After after I drafted him in the main, I drafted an early main, and I got Freddie Peralta. And then I saw that um, Murphy drafted him like super early. He got him in like the 120s. He set the min on Peralta. He, he drafted him like in the 120. So I, I DM'd him. I'm just pull. I pulled up my DM. I just go, wow. I'm like I got him at one, I got him at 197, which is where I got Peralta in the main on the 25th of March, and I set the min at the time. Are you expecting this year? Like, what are you expecting at this year out of curiosity? And he goes, my partner does our pitching rankings for the draft but he had him as a top 20 SP if you leveled off everyone's innings. So I guess we're expecting about 120 really good innings. So I just go, I hope you're right. And he goes, me too. And then I go, are you going to any more mains? He goes, nope, just this one might grab an OC tomorrow. Then I go, a lot of hype on Trevor Rogers too. You high on him as well? And he never responded. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, for those of you who don't know, Ray Murphy is uh, one of the people who uh, works on the forecaster. Yeah. Um, he's also in my TGFBI league. Yeah. So obviously he was in on, he, he I, I remember that he said like he, I, I was shocked at how early he took Red Trevor, um, Freddie Peralta because he probably didn't need to draft him that early. You can play chicken, <laughs> but he must've really wanted him. He was pretty confident with him. So um, yeah. So he must've saw, he must've saw something. So good for him. Um, I don't know how, I don't know how his team's doing, but. Um, that's just something that I went back to look at right now, but we've spent a lot of time talking about Peralta and, and Rogers, another guy that was sort of fits like the same sort of like, I guess, um, um, niche as those guys. And I know that's not completely the right word to use is, is Carlos Rodon, because he's a guy that sort of like had a lot of, um, pedigree, like Trevor Rogers was the first round pick Peralta. We knew that he had right. the upside Rodon. There's a lot of upside too, but he wasn't getting drafted quite as high. And, and for, for the reason that a lot of people and a lot of people weren't in on him and he was sort of one of those guys that was getting drafted in the mid two hundreds at the end of draft season and probably wasn't even really being drafted much at all uh, before that. Um, the last, uh, the last month of the main events, he was being drafted pick three thirty five. 
Really? Right. He went in the Shit. 22nd round in mine. Now, now in, in, in I, mine, he went at pick 280. So he went he went a little bit after Trevor Rogers. So someone was in love. So me, I completely whiffed on Rodon. Like Rodon, like for me, it's just like a lot of risk. Um, and in terms of like even making that rotation, I know that he he was like by the end of draft season, like like projected to make that rotation, but also health. Like him, like from a health perspective, was like in my opinion, it was a huge risk. And also from like a performance perspective. And like he's just failed so many times, right? But you did see that the increased velocity, you see him doing well in spring training. So a lot of people were on him. He was sort of in that range with like your Dylan Cease, Robbie Ray, like in that next, like if you, if you didn't want to like, like Peralta and Rogers, like in those main events, you, you got to jump them. Like if you wanted them, someone's going to jump them into the 100s, most likely. Like I know not all the time, but like close to the 100s. These are the guys that are in that next tier where like, they're not going to be like your end of the draft flyers, but these are, these are the guys with the, the upside. Like uh, I talked to, I've talked to Phil and he's like, he really, um, maybe it was Phil or, or someone else. Um, you really got to um, jump these guys in. Maybe it wasn't Phil, but like I was talking to someone and he really like, this is like the right, the rays and the Rodons and the ceases. Like, I don't know. You could probably um, Logan Webb maybe what may be in that tier, but you got you got to take them a little bit earlier than like the last rounds because someone's gonna want the want the upside of these guys. The thing with Rodon, and it's kind of just a product with our stupid season last year and the context of everything. I don't know how anyone could have seen this coming. Like even the biggest Carlos, like Carlos Rodon's mom probably didn't see this coming. <laughs> like. We had a shutdown. He threw what seven seven innings, forty innings in the last two years. Like, th- th- there's nothing to go off of this unless you were actually going to like his workouts and seeing the stuff tick up and being like, "Oh man, former top prospect, like former what was he third overall pick? Like, it's finally happening." I I have no idea how you could have called this. I I don't have him anywhere. I don't think anybody called this. I mean, I think you'd be full of shit to call this, but I think that the people who drafted him were just hoping that, you know, when you're, when you're taking guys after pick 300, you're looking to hit on upside. You're, you're looking for those guys with the pedigree, like you said, former first round pick really good stuff. Just, you know, I I mean, he's already at 97 innings. I I feel like he's probably going to wear down a a bit in the second half. Like he's not a guy I would want to be trading for. He's a guy I'd want to be trading away if you can get a lot for him right now. Um, yeah, it, it's very difficult to see him going more than 150. I mean, especially the White Sox, like they need him for the playoffs. So I, I don't know why on earth they would push uh, yeah. when they have a clear lead in the Central. Uh, right. I don't He's thrown 150 him. once in his career, and it was in 2016. Right. Uh, I I remember we our circle our consortium was really starting to warm up to the idea of maybe this is a shot we should be taking. Oh, I, I wanted um, to take the shot. Dave, Dave the was, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Dave, I think we were leading the charge on that one. He is yeah. the type of guy you take a shot on because he had a guaranteed role in, in a 15 teamer, you know, you just want guys that have a pulse, a role and the legitimate possibility of something some sort of path yeah. to success. And you know, you, you don't draft Carlos Rodon in the, in the 23rd round of your main thinking he's going to throw 150 innings for you. That's not the kind of guy you're expecting to get there. So he's the type of guy you do take a shot on. And I regret 
not being harder on that one. Uh, I had other guys that I centered on. I had Logan Webb, Zach, you mentioned already. I, um, that was, that way, was my very, guy right in that room. Looks that. very good now, but he's had some injury issues. But yeah, the, yeah I've since dropped him pretty much everywhere yeah, I had him because of that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, shoulder is Logan wasn't Allen, gonna... right? <laughs> like they talk about the misses, right? Like, I was not in on that one. <laughs> a lot of a lot of these guys are dece- like Robbie Ray. Obviously, we can we can touch on him a little bit. Rodon and Dylan Cease has been generally like good for where you drafted him. Um, and then Logan Webb has been good, uh, um, I guess, except for the health aspect. But there's a but you sort of quickly forget all those shots that were taken that that are misses, right? Like Logan Allen was in that same conversation, right? Yeah. Well, Logan, Logan Allen has shit stuff. I mean, we're Cleveland right. guys. We fucking hate. Yeah, him. we we knew he sucked. We weren't. We he, weren't he's awful. But he was also great in spring training. And best shape of his life. (laughs) We'd seen multiple years of garbage before that. Yeah, no, I've seen enough of Logan Allen. I I don't need to see any more Logan Allen. I remember I was like kicking myself for not drafting him in some of these like main events. And then I'm like, oh, now I've got to spend like $100 fab on him. I didn't, I never got him because I I didn't, I wasn't prepared to spend that much on him. Because you Uh, were buying uh, Meriwether. Julian Meriwether. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I couldn't afford Logan. I couldn't afford Logan Allen because I spent like three times as much on Julian Merriweather. Merriweather was one of Jake's big hits. This God year. damn, I, that a, that really pisses me. Hot second, he was he was uh, looking like all my draft champions teams. I had Julian. Jake was still looking at my watch. Still right himself now. on the back when he got injured. <laughs> looking at my watch right now. What time is it? Is it August yet? And he still hasn't been back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's had another setback. Jesus Christ. That's the one thing with him. It was health. That, that was his knock. I mean, the dude has amazing stuff. But let, let's not let's not former former Indian prospect, by the way. Yeah. That was the shade. same thing with Rodon, though, too. It was setback after setback after yeah. setback. Yeah. So much so that the White Sox gave up on him and he had nowhere to go. So he, he ended up coming. He back. was also like he wasn't even like he was released, right? Yeah. He was yeah. DFA'd. Yeah, and that's and Matt Williams said that on his on turn two uh, from yesterday. He was like, anybody who claims that they saw Rodon coming is full of shit. Like you, mm. <laughs> the signs were all bad. It was like the dude was even released by his own team and then like re-signed for the minimum. Like you know, nobody saw this coming. We know that, but I think it's just he had the skills to show something good. Obviously, this is much better than you expected, but you were hoping to get some use out of him, and then you were probably going to dump him. And he's right. turned into so much more. You than were that. you were hoping he would be better than a streamer for you, and you exactly. could use him for a couple months, and then yeah. who knows what will happen. And it doesn't matter because you've totally cashed you've that. Gotten one out. your value out of it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I guess the the only spot you really could have dug into it was during spring training when it was it was a fifth starter competition, right between him and Ronaldo Lopez. Yes, yes. and. I mean, I guess you could have read the tea leaves better and been like, Ronaldo Lopez is actually shit. We've, we've, seen, we've seen plenty of Ronaldo Lopez. <laughs> like, he's definitely shit. Jake, what do you think about Ronaldo like, Lopez? Ronaldo could have been shit. I've, I've had a longstanding love for Ronaldo Lopez. It, is, it has been unrequited. <laughs> Him and Aaron. It was, like, it was like me and uh, Ricky Nolasco back in the day. I could not quit oh, that. There's dude. a deep he cut. Was, he was so just right there on the cusp all the time. <laughs> So let's let's shift uh, from Rodon to another player I have is players we didn't see these uh, coming like uh, we didn't see coming like skill skill wise um, in terms of taking that step forward and Rodon was one of them. Um, another guy is Zach Wheeler. Now Zach Wheeler um, is a player with uh, also like I think I believe first round pedigree and was a top prospect like Rodon. Um, Wheeler first round, had, sixth overall, sixth pick, yeah. 
and Rodon, I think, was pretty close to the same thing. Now, Wheeler Wheeler has had success in the major leagues, just not that much. So he was going for for a price that was much higher, obviously, than Rodon. But my takeaway here is that, like, in these contests that are highly competitive, you want to be buying post-hype players like Rodon and Wheeler at fair market value or below. Now, like, because you were buying Wheeler basically, like – he like assuming that he does have upside because he because of his pedigree you were buying him basically at what he did last year which is like no strikeouts and basically like a Kyle Hendricks type guy with the upside Carlos Rodon you're buying at fair market value because you're buying him like basically dirt cheap so like you what I basically um this is this is what I'm going to be going into next year doing is I want to buy both post hype guys at fair market value or below so like same thing people did uh, in Raphael Devers breakout year. Um, same thing I tried to do with um, Brennan Rogers, which is the jury still out on that. Um, same thing that like people tried to do with Nick Senzel this year. Right. Except I think the problem with Nick Senzel is you weren't buying him at, at fair market value. You were buying him at, at a premium. Yeah. With playing time concerns. Yeah. yeah. Playing time and health, obviously too. Yeah. Right. Um, so, so Wheeler though, for me is a guy that I was, uh, heavily in on, um, and Matt Williams and I talked about him, uh, on turn two, uh, in the off season. And, you know, it, all of the doubt came from his, you know, 6.7 K per nine in the short season, you know, and that was, you know, an 11 start sample, uh, enough to get an idea of where he's at, but not totally. And, you know, for him, it was just a pitch mix thing, I think, uh, and now that he's throwing his slider 10% more, my thing was he had shown the ability to have a good whip, uh, a good ER. Like he had the, he had good stuff. He had, he had, I mean, his good control. Fastball, yeah. Really good control. And his fastball is like 97. So yeah. like he had all of the, all of the ingredients there for an ACE uh, where it wasn't difficult to see him taking that leap. And I was getting him at such a great price that I, I couldn't pass it up where I, where I could get him. Um, the other big thing, he was going around pick a hundred. Um, the other big thing was they brought in Caleb Cotham, who is all about, you know, maximizing pitch mixes and, you know, looking at the analytics of, of everything. And so when I heard that they were bringing him in, I was pretty much all in on Wheeler. I was like, you know, I want to, I want to get him wherever I can. I probably didn't push him up enough to get him more. Um, but, uh, yeah, I do, I do have several Wheeler shares. So that one is, is less out of nowhere for me than the other guys. Yeah. All of us are, all of us were pretty invested in Wheeler and and obviously we know 2020 was the biggest anomaly, the biggest anomalous season we've ever had in terms of a lot of things. And in terms of Wheeler's performance, it, it was a complete anomaly because even back, you know, before he was, uh, you know, before he had all his injury issues and his TGS and everything like that, like his, his key numbers were so consistently solid. And then all of a sudden they just fell off the table. You yeah. knew there had to be a number of things that could have been up last year that a guy like him in, in an org like that with, with the good uh, dev team that they had put together, you knew things were going to change for him. I mean, it was, it was just a matter of one tweak here or there because the talent was always there. The execution was usually there. It's just like when a guy goes from, uh, you know, a, a 24% K rate to an 18% K rate and most of everything is the same, the, the high level control is still there. In fact, it was getting better. Like why, why would you want to be out on that? 
and he was going at a palatable range after a lot of pitchers. I mean, granted, it was like the sixth round, but there were probably 40 pitchers going before him. I think we got him in the eighth round. And uh, holy cow, I got him in our in our tag team. Like, was he yeah. in the eighth or the ninth round? It was crazy. Like, he, oh yeah, that was back kept, in February. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It yeah. was it was it was an early draft, but he kept falling, and we were like, "Holy shit! If he comes back to us, we got we have." I to. remember watching yeah, him that. and Gosman yeah, right. in that draft. Man, like Curlin wanted to take uh, Wheeler in that draft. And oh, that's right. So, so those of you who don't know, Zach was also in this draft as well. Yeah, and uh, Curlin was he was trying to convince me to take Wheeler, and that was the point where we took like I think um, um, Will Smith, the catcher. Um, uh. And uh, I should have listened to Curlin. Uh, I got to give him that. He was actually, we were actually debating between Wiegler and Austin Meadows. And I think we went with um, in that range. And I think we, we either got Will Smith or it was maybe the next round where we took Alec, Alec Baum. But um, I think the lesson there is like, maybe not specific, maybe this is a specific thing to this year, but um, just in that, like, I think you really need to be taking your shots on some of those, like those pitchers, like the Wheelers and the Gossmans and the Alcantara's and, and so forth in, in that range, rather than like, like, again, maybe it's a specific thing to this year, but like the bombs and, and the Moors and the Brian Hayes, like Hayes is good. And I know you liked him too, but um, yeah. I think like, mm-hmm. that's, that's the range where you really need to start. That's, that's where you really like, yeah, sure. Like, like your, your Sonny Gray or Zach, please Zach fourth or fifth round guys, those guys could be good too. But I think where you're going to, where you're going to gain value is getting those guys that are like those fourth and fifth round pitchers, but in the eighth round, like absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's really where you need to talk. You need to get, you need to have like three pitchers by then, but it's just a matter of where you're going to take them. And it's a matter of identifying the, like those guys and looking at Wheeler stats, like I'm looking at them now and you're, you're right. Like what, like I just, I just glossed over it. And I know Graham, you were on, you loved Wheeler too. You, 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 we were, you were, you were, we were zooming on my main event team where I, where I did draft Wheeler and I got to thank you for like sort of pushing me towards drafting him. And the other thing about him is, is he was also a horse. Like he was a guy who pitched like around a hundred pitches a game. Um, he has three times where he's been uh, 180 to 195 innings. Um, you know, this is a guy who they're not going to limit. You know, that this is this is a guy who they're looking to be their their ace, their horse. And, uh, you know, if you can get those guys in the sixth, seventh, eighth round, that's where you should be targeting And it. It's a big lesson learned for me, especially, you know, with uh, trying to target the guys with better stuff, uh, you know, better fastballs. Um, you know, he throws 97, 98, like all the all the secondaries have to do is kind of play off of that. And, uh, you know, he had all the, he had all the ingredients. It was all there. Um you know, and I, I'm glad I didn't miss on this one, but I've missed on other guys like that. So I think it's it's still a thing where I should have pushed him up more than I did. Man, like all these, like 97 miles an hour, first round pick. Like, listen, like Rodon, Rogers, Wheeler, all they all hit, they all check those boxes, right? So who's who's next year? I'm trying. To, I, I don't have an answer. I'm trying to think. I'm just trying to think like off the cuff. Like who? Like who are we going to miss on next year? Or or who are we going to sort of get hyped up on? Like who? Um, I, I'd, I'd have to look into it, but um, neither, I don't I, have an answer right now. I know I'm, I, I'm putting I myself had, on the spot. I'm trying to put, I'm putting everyone on Graham, the spot. Graham, you're the dynasty guy, right? Who's, who's the draft picks that we should be looking for? Okay. I'm still, I'm still in on Brady Singer. I hate to say it. Yeah. yeah. He needs, I don't, I don't he needs the third pitch, man. He just needs yeah. a third pitch. And uh, he, he will be a good pitcher one of these days. It was, and he needs to not be a little right baby. It, it <laughs> yeah. kind of like, I, it just, it kind of fits the narrative too, that we're sewing yeah. here. 
Um, I've been out on Dylan Cease for the longest time, and now that I've watched him pitch a bunch this year, I feel like that's going to bite me in the ass one day. Um, I just don't think he can command his stuff, and he just goes goes to hell in a handcart so quick. The key, the key is one day. Yeah, he's a guy that's got to harness it all. Yeah, but that can happen so quick. Yeah, like that's what I was saying to Govier last night about like Tukey. Like the the dude is an incredible athlete. Like former. I don't know if he was a draft pick or an international signing. I can't remember. He was but he like, was drafted. Yeah. You, but like if it's gonna come together, like I'd bet on it coming together for a guy who's 26, 27 and is like toiled. That's an interesting thought. Tukey is interesting. He was the first he's, round pick. He's built too, lower body. He's totally built. Did you hear me on the pod yesterday? I did. Yeah. <laughs> I'm smiling yeah. right now because I I'm, Oh I yeah, that's right. You were talking about his uh I was talking his about his posterior. Ass. That's right. <laughs> He's got Dude, a fucking ass. Ass, I got to take a look at that. I got to I got to Google Tukey's Tucson Tukey ass. Tucson ass. Oh, maybe I'll Google it right. Maybe I'll do a Google image search right now. It's Tukey, right right Tucson under uh, your Robbie Ray's ass uh, search history there. Yeah, he was another guy we want to talk about. I'll give you two names. Um, I just thought of as we as you guys were talking that I'm gonna I'm gonna keep an eye on for okay. next year that sort of fit the fit the same mold as the guys we were talking about. One, Spencer Howard. Two, interesting. Nate Pearson. Yuck. Pearson, the health is a real problem. Well, there's a lot of Rodon, the health is a real problem. Yeah. 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 yeah, The the problem is that people are still going to push Pearson up. Um, He still has that. I'm not going. I don't. I I said his name, but I'm not. I don't don't want him. If he looks like he's in the rotation, you know he's going to be highly. He's going to get pushed up. Yeah. Um, Howard, it's really just because of them actually putting him in the rotation. Like he's a he's a reliever now. If they put him back in the rotation, I'm, I I like Howard a lot. Pearson hasn't pitched enough in the majors to to burn anybody yet. Yeah, he's been burned by injuries, but that keeps people <laughs> coming back for more. How many starts did he have last year? Like four. It was it wasn't enough to be a total. You know a bust of a pick because you did did you even draft him last year oh you did draft him that's right because yeah, you I dropped him. him in the main oh yeah. oh he drafted pearson yeah you, I dropped you, pearson, you drafted pearson and, 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 and more uh, mackenzie gore, gore. yeah, yeah you, all yeah. three of them in the same main event <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah laugh it up boys uh-huh. <laughs> zach i told you man you've come so far and i yeah, I, I i mean it as a compliment like you you've really impressed me with uh with your growth in last year you know, it's funny that um, I, I have, like, I'm like, I, I've said this so many times leading up into this season, like, I've learned my lesson. Um, I've talked to guys like you, and I'm like, I like, obviously, it's a huge risk having, like, Mackenzie Gore, Nate Pearson, and Spencer Howard in the same team in a main event. And then my main event that's, like, doing well, like, it's in second place right now. I have um, Alec Manoa and Logan Gilbert on that team. <laughs> you probably didn't but draft them in the, yeah, in you the top 10 rounds. Well, I did not draft, I did not draft either of them. So, no, that's, that's an excellent yeah. point. Oh, you and, didn't you know, draft Gilbert? Somebody dropped him. Somebody wow. dropped him. Yeah. Wow, that's lucky. We, I, I every league, I, I have a okay. lot of Logan Gilbert. We, we I, I have so held much him. Logan Gilbert. I am so. I was so in on Logan Gilbert. Yeah. No, I think we all were. I think when when Dave, yeah. when you you made a t- you you put out a tweet on Logan Gilbert, like like uh, I think maybe in January and February, and I DM'd you. I'm like, I wish you didn't say that. I was, <laughs> I was grabbing him so like I was I uh, Logan Gilbert's yeah. one of my most on players like post post oh, yeah. hundred. Yeah, um, I'm I'm so pleased with the way he's come together. Like he he looks great. phenomenal. Yeah, I, those draft champions you can get him at like 450, 475. Yep. Oh yeah. my goodness, the he early ones. He looks like a horse too, eh? Yeah, yeah. That's what I was gonna say when another we were talking legit, about another legit fastball. How's his ass? Uh, he's a he's a former <laughs> first rounder too, right? 
Yeah, I believe so. He should. Yeah, he's got to be. I, I have not investigated his posterior. How's he no. last one? <laughs> he's pretty tall, so he probably doesn't have that yeah. much of it. Man- Manoa's Dick ass. Oof. Oof. Manoa? <laughs> <laughs> the like, other... Don't Chef's look, kiss. Man. Like, Tuki Toussaint's ass? Not like Manoa's ass says, hold my beer. <laughs> other guy who just uh comes to mind here but i'm sure he will have insane helium is uh scuba mm. yeah that's another uh, good my one. my only thing is with uh well we know that they're going to limit him in the second half i have i have a couple of uh scuba shares including jake and i have uh him in the battle of the pods uh draft nice, we drafted nice, pretty nice early there yeah, you know, it looked like it was going to be a bust initially. Like we were kind yeah. of running it, and then um, he's and he really decided to pitch the way he used to pitch before, and he exactly. was good again. He reverted his pitch pace, which is very good. Um, yeah. But the other thing is that you know they're going to limit him. Once they're done limiting Mize, they're going to limit Scooball for like probably a half a dozen starts. So he's pretty much going to be unusable for a lot of this time coming up. So if you can trade Scooball, I would. Um, yeah, and, and they're the probably going to go to a six-man too because they do yeah, that all the time. In the future, I I, I do love Scooball. I love his stuff. The one thing is since the crackdown, he, he hasn't quite had the same K stuff uh, that he had before that. So we'll have to see if he can make some adjustments. Yeah, I, I was thinking 2022 there. He He's mm-hmm. totally the type though, if it looks like he has a job and, you know, they're going to, take the take the restraints off him or whatever yeah. like everybody will love that well the fact yeah. that they are bothering to limit him shows that they they want to keep him safe and they're going to be dedicated to him so you know he's at least going to have a role carved out for himself next year i, I mean the, it, there's no think, reason they wouldn't i think you're going to have to pick uh pay a pick above pick 200 for school oh yeah. it'll, it'll be expensive for sure here's, here's a guy he's going to could... be a 10th 11th round pick come the mains probably yeah, yeah um, i agree Here's a guy who could go late, who actually is surprisingly similar to Peralta, but Christian Javier. Mm, okay. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Luis Garcia was actually another guy on my list, right? That just sort of remind, reminded me. Yeah, of, I just looked at the list and it did that thing in my brain. Nice. I had a thought. So you, yeah, the, think, the, the thinking your brain, thing? Your brain, the, your brain did thing. one of those connecting things? Javier is a two-pitch guy, right? Don't know. If I, I thought he was. I'm looking right now. He's got a knuckle curve, a slider... And uh, fastball. So he's a three pitch guy. He also has a changeup, but he only throws six and a half percent of the time. So, but he is a three pitch guy. So he has, uh, well, okay, the knuckle curve, he throws 7.2%. So he's got like two main pitches and then two other pitches that he throws, not a ton. So he's he's fastball guy. Yeah, yeah. it's going to depend on how he that rotation He throws 60% fastballs. That's yeah. a good name. Like both of those guys, Luis Garcia and, and Javier, those are the guys that have tons of in dynasty leagues because like they were like under they're under the radar. Uh, they weren't like top 100 prospects or anything like that, and um, they just had insane numbers in the minor leagues. And you sort of think to yourself, okay, why do all these guys have insane numbers? Or that just are the Astros? What is it, Corpus Christi? Christi? Um, yeah, facing like easy easy opponents, or like are these guys actually good? And it looks like like they're, they're legit, man. Like I think I think you're gonna see like. Um, Luis Garcia, um, he's going to be bef- uh, uh, a pre-200 pick as well. So Luis Garcia has five pitches um, that he throws like like 9% or more. Um, so he he actually has uh, a pretty solid arsenal already. I, I drafted him in a league or two. I think like a, I think uh, some DCs, but um, I didn't end up with him in any mains, unfortunately. But yeah, he's got good stuff. Um 
the the walk rate is is has gotten has improved the last two years. Um, doesn't give up many home runs at all. So yeah, I, I like him a lot. Yeah, me too. And when you're on the Astros, that can only help. Yep. And uh, what about um, well, we talked about Manoa a little bit, but like, where do you think Manoa is going to go next year? Like, who? Do, okay, so so I guess rank. I don't rank these guys in terms of where you think they're going to be drafted, not like your personal assessment of them. Um, Luis Garcia, Manoa, and um, Scooball. Hmm. I mean, you said in I, terms of preference. No, no, not no, in terms of your preference. No, in terms where, of do you think, you think, where do you think their ADP will be come come main events? Like in that order, Manoa, Scooball, and Luis Garcia. I'd say the order you said them in. I agree. Yeah. I, I, I think I, I think so too. I think I think Manoa is a guy who has like a cult following. I, I think that they're always and I mean for a lot of good reasons too. Like he's got phenomenal stuff, um, great strikeout stuff. But he's he's the guy who I think people are going to go nuts for. And also Toronto is a good team, um, whereas you know Scooball plays for the Tigers. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I I just feel like. The only, the only concern with Manoa is his, in, his, in, his innings. Um, you know, he pitched 18 in 2021. We don't know what the fuck he did in 2020. Uh, sorry, he pit, he's, he's at 58 innings right now in 2021. We don't know what he did in 2020. Uh, in 2019, he pitched 17 innings. So, you know, yeah, that's yeah. The one concern is, is innings. Like, I think Scooball is a, is a safer bet for innings. And he's um, – but I, I just – I feel like you're going to want the guy on Toronto over the guy – on the Tigers who could shut him down early, who could go to a six man rotation, that kind of thing. The reason I like mean, going this year a lot is because um, like Toronto needs him. Like in terms of like their rotation is not that good. Like comparing him to a guy like McClanahan, like Manoa's going like six innings, like what, what like as long as he's like not fucking up and he's like pitching decently, like they're letting him go six innings because they need him. Their bullpen sucks, their rest of the rotation kind of sucks. So um they're Toronto's a team where they're, they're letting Manoa just go. Like, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to hit any restrictions in terms of overall innings, but on a per game, like on an, on like, if you're looking at each game in a vacuum, like they're letting him go like pretty, like if he can go six innings, they're going to let him. Right. If he can get there, they're letting him, but yeah, you know, he's still at five innings per start. Cause he's had a couple where he hasn't made it through four. So, right. yeah. but, but the fact that he was drafted highly uh, was, pretty much in the majors. Another I mean, he's, he's a guy that he spent 35 innings in the minors and he was up in the majors. I mean, guys that drafted him and, you know, it's so recent that he was drafted. He was probably taken very highly in a lot of first player draft, first year player drafts and dynasty. Anybody that follows prospects was probably all over him. So they were more keyed in on, on grabbing him because they knew how, you know, how talented he was. So that's going to keep them in on him. I mean, we're, we're seeing the pedigree play out. It's just a matter of um, is, is that team going to get a better bullpen next year? They're, they're at least moving out of these massive hitters parks that they've been into a hitters park still, but one that's a little bit lesser, uh, but they're still in a bad division. So I, I don't see Manoa as a guy I'm probably going to key in on just because of um, some difficulty factors that he's going to face. He but, definitely has the most upside of the three. And I, yeah. I think Luis Garcia is the bottom of the three because he has the lowest upside, but he's also the guy who's the most consistent. I mean, 
Um, this guy, I can see and, him as a guy that we're going to key in on just because of how polished he, he is. He's given, he's given up four runs one time all year and nothing more than that. I mean, like every start is a, is pretty much, is pretty quality for him. I mean, he doesn't go, uh, like he said, a couple of times where he's been in under five innings, but he's been pretty damn consistent. I mean, six, five, four, six, seven, four, six, seven, six, five, 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 like, you know, for a rookie, pretty damn good. Um, yeah, I, I definitely think I'll be in on Garcia, but I think I'll be in on Manoa at the right price. We'll have to see what it is. I just don't think I'm going to beat out his stands. No, there will be some. There's one other player that I want to talk about that's, uh, that's, on, that's on the list. You probably can see him. And I'm just filtering um, some, I'm just filtering um, for some stats right now that I want to bring up, but that's um, James Caprielli. Now he's a guy that was also an, um, um, has some prospect, prospect pedigree. I believe he started off with the Yankees, had Tommy John. Um, Another yeah. first round pick, which by the way, I think this should be a sign. Yeah. I think maybe that's something that um, and maybe something that's, an obvious thing that people overlook or I overlook. Uh, I admit I, that I did overlook it this year, but maybe it's just, but it's also something that you really, you're also really um, cautious that it's going to fool you. Right. It seems like something, Oh, like I'm like, why am I just going to look at all these first round picks and then waste, waste a pick on this because just because um, he's a first round pick. Right. You know what I, mean? I think it's just, I think it's just a factor. I don't think it's the only factor. I but I but I think it might be a factor that people aren't taking into consideration that they should. I started a research project like two years ago that I never finished um, that I'd like to go back to, but but it, it involved looking at uh, prospect pedigree, including what round they're drafted in, and uh, how that impacted their, you know, like if if that was a sign uh, showing someone was on the on the verge of a breakout um, or or had the potential to break out, you know, like a lot of these guys aren't guys that you necessarily can see coming, but you know, you roster them and say, let's see what he can do. Um, and those are the kind of guys you, you should be investing in late in drafts or, or uh, you know, when they get, when they get called up, okay, this is a guy who has that pedigree. Let's take a shot. Right. Yeah. I, I, I don't Oh, go ahead, Jake. I, I'm stumbling over everybody today. Sorry. I, I, uh, Caprellian was a guy that I actually was drafting in DCs last year. Same. Because of the fact that, you know, he, he was a pretty well known prospect that was just injured when the Yankees traded him to the A's. And I was, you know, I'd seen that he'd come back in 29 time, uh, 2019 from the, the surgeries that he'd had. I, I'm pretty sure it was TJS, but it was probably a couple of things because he didn't pitch for two years. Um, so he was a guy that I keyed in on last year and then he pretty much didn't carve out a role. He, he was brought up to, I, I think, pitch and relief for the A's and we were more keyed in on Dalton Jeffries at the beginning because we all mm-hmm. thought Dalton Jeffries was getting that fifth spot. And then it turned out that, Oh wait, they're giving it to Cole Irvin. And then Caprellian was next in line because Jeffries got injured. So um, it's a guy that I think, uh, I, I liked a good amount. I just didn't see him having any path to playing time. And then when he did come up, he came up and had a really good start. So it pushed his price up in fab and I didn't get him anywhere. So Caprielian, uh, since June 1st, and I was just, I was looking at just out, I sort of stumbled upon this because I was looking, I took June 1st as like a date that sort of the sticky stuff was implemented or, or looked, started to look, started being looked at more carefully. And was I wanted to like, see some, I thought it was like the 13th or something. Yeah. I thought it was mid June. Mid June, 
I just yeah. t- I just took June first. It was mid June that it was enforced, but they Some gave them the, t- the two week like ramp yeah. up or whatever. I just chose June first. It doesn't have to be an exact science. Just to look at some yeah. just to look at some pictures, the metrics after that. And Kepriyan's top twenty in swinging strike rate um, oh, wow. since wow. since June first. So you got like Patrick Sandoval, who's also on the list number one. Uh, he's number one on this list. Uh, then Luis Garcia, Gosman, Robbie Ray, Tyler Molly, Giolito, Castillo, Rodon, Morton, Burns, Cease, Jordan Montgomery, Nola, Cole, Herman Marquez, Tariq Skubal, Frankie Montez, Manaya, who we talked about a little bit, Caprielian, Capri- and Lynn. So that's your top 20. Just um, some some names. And he's he, for him to fall in that list of names is pretty impressive, I think. Um, yeah. And he's only got a nine point you know, six, five K per nine, uh, right now. So he must've, I don't know if he was just improving. So I, I guess he was never really relying on, on sticky stuff. If he's maybe he's just been improving as a pitcher going along. Cause I don't know why else he would, uh, have that high of, a uh, swinging strike rate since then. Yeah. And he's also top 25 in K minus walk in among qualified pitchers since June 1st. So, he does. He does, however, have some regression coming with a 91% left on base percentage and a 241 Babbitt and a 410 Sierra to his 265 ERA. Doesn't mean that he won't be a good pitcher still, but uh, I, I think he's in for some couple rough outings in the second half. Yep. No, I I, I see that for sure. Um, that's uh, definitely a valid point. And I was and even, so even at this time, even at this time period that I'm looking at, like those those metrics that you said, like are still consistent, like the high left on base and the the X fitness year higher than the like over a run higher than his ERA. So um, those metrics are holding um, steady in the, um, in that short period of time that I'm looking at as well. Is his velocity up? No, his velocity is down. Since the, since June 1st, you mean? Well, he was also pitching in relief in 2020. So oh, there it is. Well, yeah. His, yeah. His, his velocity is down for 2020 because he's pitching in the league, but it was yeah. also only like two outings. You got to look at his Brooks baseball, I think, to, to, to look at the velocity because where are you looking? Fan graphs? Yeah. That's fan graphs. Yeah. Yeah. There's not as much um, detail there, but that's year, yes, year over year. And yeah, it's tough because of how he's being used, but. Um, he's an interesting guy. I don't think he's going to be as highly drafted as um, as um, some of the other guys we're talking about. I think he could probably, he, the way things are going, you can probably still get him after pick two hundred next year. But um, who knows, right? Um, he, he might be he might be an interesting guy to target. There's a there's a bunch of there, there's got to be some sort of bias that exists with like Oakland pitchers, like injured guys, Manaya. Manaya's velocity is up a lot this year, and it's, um, like I think he might be Manaya might be a guy to trade for if you're in a trade league. I, 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 I finally healthy. Manaya. Yeah, I I wished that he was this last year, um, but yeah, I, I'm a big Manaya fan. Another first round pick, by the way. So okay, I got I got a, I got a riddle for you guys. What do you call someone that that um, that mines for sleeper pitchers? in the, in the mid rounds. Graham, you should know this because you're like, you're, you're all about the dad jokes. I don't know, man. Come on. Who, what team were you just talking about? A basset hound. Oh. <laughs> Get it? 
No, I don't get it. Can you explain it? <laughs> <laughs> you want me to? So yeah, we're, so we're, right now we're we're being Bassett hounds essentially, just players that are just undervalued. Actually, Bassett was actually going pretty high. Where was he getting drafted this year? Bassett, I, don't maybe. This, I don't even know if this joke works. But. He wasn't getting drafted high enough was, given his performance the previous one, year and what he was like 193 in the main event. Yeah, 193. Yep. It's quite a reasonable price given what you've got out of him. I was oh, yeah. I wasn't buying. You were a Bassett, like, you were a Bassett hound? I was not. He was someone I wasn't out on, but I didn't have him ranked high enough to get him anywhere, unfortunately. Yeah, no, I have none of him. I just did. I don't know. I don't know what it is. It just like um, I guess it must have been a bias. It just was like. I, I mean, he was going right around the time of Freddie Peralta. Uh, Jameson Tyon is a guy I have a couple shares of who was going around there. Um, obviously, I'd prefer Bassett now, but. Busy drafting Jared Clinic. I have no Jared Clinic. <laughs> It's funny, all the smart people don't have any Jared Clinic. Like, you don't, Rob doesn't, Phil doesn't, like... Well, oh, so, so something you should know about Phil, it, he does not invest in prospects at all. Like he, I realize that. He pretty much just ignores them because system can't account for prospects. So, uh, you know, he just... He, he, it's not that he doesn't know. Like, he'll pick them up, but he won't draft them. Like, because he, he, doesn't, he doesn't have enough information on them. Fair enough. If I think they're probably a, like I think he I, I I bet you he's done some analysis on it because I don't I, I don't think he'd, he'd leave that stone unturned but I think he's just like I think the like the the history with prospects they're just they're just negative value plays like in general and they're you're you're more like you're looking for that Ronald Acuna and Juan Soto that usually don't happen. Not, I feel like this, this year's like maybe this is a segue. This year's just been so bad for that for prospects like all these all these prospects like none of them are doing well. He said that Steamer's usually pretty solid at predicting or projecting prospects, though. Uh, but for pitchers, especially, he said, yeah, yeah. based on minor league like, numbers and things. Both like those, um, they like they like they love Taylor McGill because like Steamer was really high on him. Yeah, and I I know Matt Williams also was Taylor or Tyler. That's I think I said Tyler. Okay. Tyler, not, not Trevor. He's a <laughs> I picked him up. I mean, it's spelled Tyler. I don't think that's actually how you say it. I think it's just Tyler. Yeah, I call him Tyler. But I mean, there's another, there's another, there's another Miguel Trevor, and people actually dr- uh, picked him up on off of Fab. I don't even. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> Who was the guy that Modica picked up uh, the wrong guy too with the last name? I can't remember a couple weeks ago. That. He was uh, he was talking about picking up. I, I can't. It was, remember Cubs, it was a Cubs guy. That was, um, I think Trevor McGill's the Cubs. Oh, is that oh, right? Okay. That was Miguel. Okay. Maybe that was it. Maybe. Well, what do you guys think of Justin Dunn? Velo, he was another guy that Velo was showed, up. Was, showed a little upside. Former first round pick. I like him. I always liked him more than Sheffield. I was drafting him ahead of Sheffield. I was drafting him ahead of Sheffield in Dynasties. Um, yeah. Oh. I liked him. I have I have him on I have him in the Battle of the Pods. It, like I got him fairly late, uh, but he's been injured. So he... I, the problem is his control in the majors has been horrible. But that the, yeah. it, he'd be a good like if I can get to take a late shot at him, he's exactly the kind of guy who would come around. I mean, he's... six man. He was a lot of there's a lot of red. Yeah, flags there were red flags, and he he will go late again next year just because um, of the health this year. And yeah, yep. I mean yep. he, he throws ninety four. Um, 
you know, I mean, he's wasn't he he's, taken higher than that, like in spring and at the beginning of this year. He was one of those velo risers. I think so. I think yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. He I have to, jumped out of the gate pretty hot. I have to go back and look at I because I kept track of all this stuff. I have to go back and look and see how much of that stuck because a lot of this stuff in spring training I don't think stuck, but I, I have to go back and, and check it again. Mm-hmm. I kind of dig it. I don't know. Just I, I know I stepped out there for a second and that was a name that was stuck in my head with like Christian Javier. And... No, I think it's I think it's a good idea. I mean, you know, because you don't have to invest a lot in it and, you know, for a first round pick, um, you know, some good numbers in the minors could could find that control. It's all the injuries, too. Right. Like, I, I can't even remember what he's out right now. Like, is it a shoulder? Is yeah, it like... I, look. I know. It, I know he's had several. It's very Caprillion esque. Yeah. What do you guys think about Sandoval? I love him. His, his name came up. I know me and Graham love him. Yeah, love him too. Um, he's he's been uh, I've picked him up in a lot of fan tracks and Yahoo leagues. Uh, unfortunately, couldn't add him in any NFBC leagues. But uh, you know he's got he's got that legit strikeout stuff, um, and it seems like he's really taken a step forward in, in a lot of uh, in a lot of ways. He's throwing his, oddly. Usually, guys take a step forward when they throw their slider more. He's actually throwing a slider ten percent less. Well, that's um, his change that's because his, his changeup change is the elite pitch. Yeah. yeah, I mean his changeups. A it's disgusting. Very it's good awful. pitch. I'm noticing a lot of the. I'm noticing it this year uh, because he is just because he's he's been used as a starter. Like that changeup is like in terms of like all the metrics, the swinging strike rate. The, the yeah, uh, it's just ridiculous. It's like the best pitch in the major leagues. Yeah, it's way up there. Yeah, it's like ridiculous. Like in his K, like I said, his K minus walk and his swinging strike rate is overall not even just on that curveball is tops in the major since june 1st um and even like his sort of like bad start last time was seven innings nine k's we were talking about that even after he like he i think he gave up four runs kind of early in the game he, they still let him go seven yeah there's the six-man rotation issue with um, the angels but man like he's i don't know where he's gonna go next year probably pretty early i would think 53.7 percent whiff percentage on his changeup like that's fucking insane from um, a starter that is that yeah is absolutely nuts yeah that's he's a, that's uh, like he's the new luis castillo i mean yeah and his slider is 43.2 percent whiff rate too um they're both elite pitches and that's the thing if you have a pitch that's that good really all you need is one other good pitch and you can be effective and then just have any other third pitch where do you think he goes um, next year because he's a guy that I, I have him like on most of my fab teams, but I, I had him on maybe like three or four of my DC teams, but um, I, I don't know, like I'm looking at him this year and um, I looked at him a little more carefully and all the, the metrics I started picking him up after a start or two, even though I was in on him a little bit, but like what, what would make you identify someone like that preseason because he didn't even have a defined role. And I'm, the reason I'm asking this is because um, a guy named Casey Cha was very much in on Sandoval. I, I think it was in on a few drafts. I think it was at least one draft with him. He was, I noticed he, he took him quite a bit. Uh, he was in on him even preseason. So I don't know what he would have seen in him. I'm trying to think um, about that. And um, like now it's more clear once we see more, um, more of a sample size this year in the major leagues as a starter, but like preseason, like a, as a guy you're targeting, like he's a guy that I was targeting in these DCs, but like, like late, late. And I think um, like in the league that I was with trying, like he took it, he, he beat me to him because he, he pri- like I noticed he prioritized him. So I'm like, what, what, what would make somebody prioritize a guy like that in DCs? Um, like, 
like uh, knowing that you can probably get him in the in the forties, but then pushing him up into like the rounds, like the thirties in the rounds. Well, we've seen plenty of him before, and I I mean I remember even when he first came up, he had some really great looking starts, but he was incredibly inconsistent. You you look at the Angels rotation; they were already going to have a six a six man rotation. Uh, they had a number of guys that were questionable at the beginning of the year. So, I mean, in a DC, where, where did uh, Cha take him? Was it after round 40? I don't know. I don't, I don't right. know where he exactly okay. took him, but he, he was beating me. Like I was in maybe yeah. one or two drafts with him and he was, he was beating me. Like, I know that I think he was, it was heavily invested in him. Um, I mean, when you're, when you're at that point in DCs, that's the kind of thing you take shots on. You look for unstable rotations and you look for guys that had, any possible upside at that point, because you're not, you're not really getting a lot of contributing offensive players at that point. You're just taking on, uh, taking shots on as many pitchers as you can, hoping to hit on a couple of them. And so you, I mean, you're also looking at the minor league track record. Like he's got another guy, like, like, like Trevor Rogers, he had like a, five, like a over five ERA in the major leagues in 2020. But like, yeah, but if guess, you look at his, if you look at his Sierra though, it's significantly lower. I mean, he had a five, six ERA, but a 4.1 Sierra. I mean, that I, I trust Sierra a lot more than I trust ERA to tell I me mean, someone's actually pitching. Look, look at his swinging strike rates in the minors though. The majority of them are, are 15% or higher. Some of them reached even as high as 20%. Like, yeah, that's the kind of stuff you take a shot on. So this yeah. is the thing I was and, saying. And his walk rate was palatable too. Like he was right. It wasn't egregiously like, bad. Control was three and no. a half most of it. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, I believe he was traded from Houston, and I always Houston. I always talk yep. about this that Houston had an excess um, amount of prospects because they were just so good at identifying good prospects that they traded away JD Martinez, they traded away uh, T. Oscar, they traded away JD Marti- JD Davis. Um, the list goes on. Like who else? There was tons of Ramon Laureano. There you go. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And I miss. I'm, I know I'm missing players as well that um, that I that I typically list. Now Sandoval's your one. your they, boy from last year. What was it? Uh, Brandon Bailey. Yeah, they. But he didn't turn out to be as good. But, um, <laughs> Domingo they, Santana. Or they traded Sandoval for. Uh, didn't they get? Um, Machete or um, Martin 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 Maldonado. I believe oh, that right. was the trade. They got Maldonado for Sandoval, and they just because they didn't have room to start him. So, like, I'm just saying, anything that the Astros had in that like little time period where they, I, I like like their farm system, like uh, in like I don't know, I want to say like 2015 to 2018, like they just had an excess like excess of like golden prospects. So. Sandoval was one of them. So my good buddy, uh, shout out to Colin Charles. He's no, a terrible no. fantasy player, but he, he wouldn't even be upset with me saying that. He used to do uh, data for pitcher list. He's a he's a data scientist, but he always loved Sandoval. I don't know why. Like we traded for him. We co-managed a dynasty team together, and we have Sandoval over there. But we got Sandoval a couple of years ago because Colin liked him, and I I don't know. There must have been something Nick in the liked him that too. popped. Pollock, Pollock loved him. I mean, he went so far as to nickname him, you know, two years ago. Irish Panda. Yeah. What do they call so him? It, Irish Panda. Why? Because of Pablo Sandoval, but he's Patrick. So it's the Irish Panda. Oh, that uh, makes sense. Yeah. But I mean, if you look at his numbers ever since 2017, he's shown good strikeout stuff and pretty good control. So, I mean, I can easily see why someone would be in on him. Right. And um, you can you can see this continuing. Yeah. Now, this is a guy who who for the first time I feel like this whole podcast 
we can say he was not a first round pick. He was an 11th round pick actually. So theory destroyed. <laughs> yes, there is. There is. So you one, don't need to be a first round pick. One right now. <laughs> Obviously not. But I do think that that is uh, that is a sign for some for some uh, s- something to look for in breakouts. But Jacob uh, Degrom, not, not a first round pick. Ooh, there you go. Well, he was a shortstop though. He wasn't even a pitcher. <laughs> there you go. That's crazy. They converted him to pitching at like twenty five. Because he was a, he was just kind of to- toiling around in the minors. And that's why he can't get injured. <laughs> nice round. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> Dave didn't even hear that one. That's good. So who else? Exactly. Voldemort was a first round pick. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. UCLA. I think he was like the oh, yeah. Cole, fifth or sixth pick. Cole was Third? a first round pick. Yeah. Yep. Cole went ahead of him in that draft. Yep. I think. Cole went one. Yep. yep. Bieber, I think Bauer Bieber was Bieber was a second round pick. Yeah, Bieber wasn't a first. Was he a second, second or, or third? A... No, Savale went ahead of him. That's right. Savale, then what? Bieber. Really? I think Plesak was a sixth in that draft. They were all in the same draft. Savale yeah, they were all in the same draft. Plesak. Bieber was a fourth. That's crazy, fourth. right? I didn't know Savale was so And Savale was believe, a third then. I believe Savale, Savale was the third. third. Yeah. yeah. And then Plesak was sixth or seventh. I mean, all these uh, guys Plesak, were talking. No, Plesak was later. He was like ninth or tenth because okay. he was actually injured. All these guys were talking about though, it's it's like like Giolito kind of matches the the thing most. Like all those so, other guys were like the glitz and glamour of the first round pick thing, right? Like Giolito was the stud who sucked and then got sticky and got yeah. really good, and now he's fallen back, but he's still good. I think yeah, I mean, all together. So I think obviously what we're looking at now is Mitch Keller being amazing next year. <laughs> oh man <laughs> well you can get him cheap yeah for sure he, he will he will be cheap i i think i'll be in on him when he changes to a different organization i think uh being in the pirates is not doing him any favors he was, they, have a, they have a totally new organization now yeah i'm sure they do uh he was a second <laughs> round pick by the way keller was keller was a second round hmm. pick yeah um, yeah he's he's trash <laughs> No, yeah, there, there's some signs with Keller. I just don't think that Pittsburgh can harness his his abilities. I think I think he needs a change of scenery before he breaks out. I was um, taking some shots on him also this year, um, just because he he also had the velo thing going with him. He, he was, his velo was up as well. Um, I was hoping to put it together, and that's what you're hoping for in that in those those um, those rounds, like in the Alzole Keller, Anton, Freddie Peralta rounds early in draft season. Mitch Keller has not changed his pitch mix one iota since since coming up. Like this is what I'm talking about. Like, and it shows. You need to make adjustments. If you don't like everybody else, I'm looking at it's like you see like a 10% change here and there. Like his pitch mix is literally the same. Like very 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 similar every single year. Like one year he had he threw his fastball slightly less and his curve slightly more. That was it. Well, he needs to stop walking, guys. So. You want to talk about some players that we like we as in the global we got wrong? Yeah, let's do it. So I guess it's yeah, let's start with Blake Snell. Yeah, I don't Blake like Snell. using this, we with that one. This is this is Jake's favorite player, by the way. <laughs> one of them. I love to just look at his face. His face is not I think I think I love McCullers more. <laughs> McCullers, I got no, I got no shares in McCullers. Do you do you hate McCullers more than uh, okay? 
So McCullers, Barrios, and uh, Snell are probably Jake's. Yep. Those really are those are my three players. least favorite players. Yeah. Um, who who is your least favorite of the three? It's gotta be Snell. Mine is Snell. Yeah, me too. I, I think Snell's persona is very punchable. So yes. <laughs> but in terms of like the guy that I've been the, the strongest vocally about, it's been McCullers, and it's been for years and years. That's so. fair. That's He's fair. actually been decent this year. Yeah, he has. It's not his talent that's the problem. No, it's not his talent. It's that he's always hurt every year. And he's yeah. overdrafted. He's over-drafted. And I'll never draft him where he goes because he's always hurt. You know I, who loved the colors this year? Who did? What was that? You know what you know what drafter that we know loved the colors this year and basically was getting him everywhere? I know Maddie was. Maddie loved him last year. That wasn't who I was thinking of. Okay. Casey our, good, our good friend John Fish. Oh, I don't know. I don't. I don't think Kachar was in on McCullers, but I'm, I'm not sure. No, but, he doesn't uh, play Kachar guy. Um, but no, McCullers, John, Fi- John Fish. Out. John Fish was all over um, McCullers this year, and he's actually been good. But like, yeah, but the yeah, thing is, like, he has. he's inconsistent and he's like injury prone. So like, the other like, shoe will drop at some point. He's got a four and a half walk per nine rate though. Too like right. I, he's doing the same stuff he always does. He still got kind of gets away with it, and he's not hurt yet. Yeah, we'll see. I, I mean, you know, uh, him and Correa have both stayed healthy, healthy somehow so far. Uh, but it's it's a long season. We'll see if they make it through. McCullers, like, right. he, he kind of feels like Herman Marquez where, like, you know that, like, he's going to have, like, one, like, two or three or four outings where he just, like, lets in, like, like the floodgates are just, just going to open for him. And then the next year is everyone's going to say, oh, well, if you just minus off those two or three <laughs> starts, he's going to have, like, a 2.5 ERA. But guess what? It happens every year. That's that's sort of like my maybe my bias feeling towards McCullers, but that's just my maybe it's more my gut than reality. But that's what's happened the last couple of years. But so far, he's been like his his net results have been really good this year. So I'm, um, I guess that that theory is not right yet, but still a long, long way to go. It's fair. It's fair. They they both have different deficiencies. Like Herman, it's just he leaves hittable pitches that are just crushed over the plate. Whereas McCullers, it's he's always walking dudes and he's extremely inefficient. Yeah, but yeah, McCullers' but, Sierra is also a full run higher than it currently is, so I, I definitely think he's in for some regression in the second half. What do you think? What do you think about Strowman? Because he's also been really good. He's a guy that I, all those guys you mentioned, I was off on too, Jake. But um, Strowman's a guy I was off on as well, just because of the, the lack of strikeouts. Well, he got he got so pumped. I mean, when Rob Friedman Rob Friedman pumped the shit out of him. And he just ballooned. Like I wasn't really even considering him where he was going in spring. And then he got into the the two into the one the late one hundreds, didn't he? Um, yeah, I mean, he I was think he, he was going would've. really high. Like I'm not going to take a guy that uh, one fifty seven. He didn't pitch the year before. His strikeout upside is nothing. I, yeah, I there was no way I was touching that at that that late price. It was it was egregious. And now it looks like he's really fallen victim to not having substances. So that's even worse. I yeah, mean, I think, I think so far the returns have been really good though. He but pitched a gem yesterday. He mm-hmm. doesn't he doesn't have like the problem with him is he doesn't have that upside. Like, I mean, he's like a seven and a half K per nine guy. Like this is you know, he's he's essentially you're you're hoping he's he's prime uh Kyle Hendricks. Like you know you're not gonna get ace level stuff from him. Um granted where you're taking him, you don't need that. But uh, I, yeah, not pitching last year, I thought it would affect him more than it did, and it and it hasn't yet. Um, he's a tinkerer, uh, which can be a good thing or a bad thing. But um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think he's I think he's solid. I don't think he's anything like special. I, I don't think no, he's going to no. end the year. His with Sierra a, is a almost a run and a half higher. Yeah, him. it's way higher. And I don't think he's going to end with a sub three year. A. Right back, back stellability. Uh, before, think- before yesterday, or before his last start, his BABIPs were not looking very good. I mean, uh, for, for an entire month's worth of starts, he was kind of getting hit up quite a bit. It, the results weren't like massive blowups, but he was starting to show signs of, of being affected. And then he pitched that that last gem as you referred to graham so now, Jim, i don't know the verdict's still out on that still out. uh the 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 reds in cincinnati so it was not a not a bad or not a good matchup but yeah he was really good but before that he had gone one inning three innings five 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 and then he went eight like it was kind of he he was not looking good since pretty much the the sticky stuff the crackdown like, I mean, it was the like middle Jake of said. june yeah it was the he looked like he was uh drastically affected um the strikeout rate was uh even lower than normal um yeah, much lower yeah uh he was getting hit a lot more and then and then and then two, yesterday happened um now jake you don't have any stroman right no i was i even his original price wasn't that palatable to me. Our, our other boy marcus has a lot of stroman he has like i would say almost too much Stroman, but hey it's worked out for him um i think tony has some too but uh yeah jake and i were we're off of him yeah i was off him too i'm looking at his stats right now he's uh, yeah he's, he, like it looks like he's due for some regression if sure. you look beyond the actual results there's nothing overly great about what he's showing no. I mean, his walk know. rate's up I mean, he, he doesn't have swing and miss stuff at all. You mean his walk rate's up since uh, the crackdown? No, yeah. I mean, this year in general, his walk rate. Or what no, am I walk, looking his at? Walk was I looking up. at? Oh, I was looking at his. Never mind. Never mind. I was looking at the wrong column. I'm yeah, like, no, his walk rate's definitely not good. <laughs> no, you are correct. The Babbitt's really low. Yeah, Babbitt's low. Sierra's high. Um, Sierra's high. Like all, high. The, all the advanced stuff shows that he's, he's probably due for some regression. Yeah, for sure. Back to Snell, back to Snell, because we never really like finished that thought. But like, what do you like? Can we apply anything we see in Snell this year with like other pitchers to avoid in the early rounds next year? I guess right. it's just the control and the lack of um, longevity into games is the other things I'm looking at. Left on base rates. Yeah. His only good year, he ran an insane clip, right? Yeah, it was his good year. His good year was a unicorn kind of season. I mean, yeah, I mean, it was, he was, it was a guy who had terrible control, completely unharnessable stuff. Through, I mean, he, I, I don't even know what happened that year. It was, it was a magical season for him, and then just completely regressed back to the guy he was. I mean, he had strikeout stuff. We knew that, but he couldn't stop walking, guys. And now, I mean, my God, his, his walk rate this year has ballooned to any uh, higher than it's ever been in the majors. He, he's another one that's, he's a head case. He's, he's I, frankly, <laughs> it's going to sound kind of callous. I think he's kind of a mental midget in that regard. He's <laughs> he just, he, he seems like he doesn't have it all together up there. I, I don't know, man. Uh, maybe it's just listening to him talk. I, I don't think he has it all together. I mean, I, and Phil was like, I'm not going to draft him because he's really dumb. He he sounds like a yeah. moron. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not, I, I don't think I'm, 
kind of out of line saying that because I've to be, listened to, to be fair, to be fair, Plesek is also a moron. Oh yeah, Plesek's <laughs> a moron, but Plesek has control, so that's <laughs> a big difference. I've heard you guys. I heard your. I, I listened to your podcast today, and um, I don't think we need to listen to go into Plesek anymore. But yeah, that I'm, if you want to, if you want to hear your thoughts on Plesek, listen to um, the Rotosaurus podcast. It was just uh, re, uh, released a couple days but, ago. I think saying um, Snell's a moron is probably not the worst thing that's been said on this podcast so far. I think I think <laughs> well, it's poetic so justice that, it's, that he complains so much about getting pulled out of that World Series game and Tingler pulls him out early pretty much every game this year. He's, he's barely thrown above five innings all year. Yeah. So his 2018 unicorn season came down to three main factors that I could see. And it, it was a 241 BABIP combined with an 88% left on base rate and also a career low 0.8 home run per nine rate. So pretty much all the luck factors that could have gone his way went his way. Um, now that doesn't mean that like, obviously he had a 1.89 ERA. That doesn't mean that he's all of a sudden going to become bad. Like he was probably closer to like a three and a half ERA pitcher, but he's just a guy who always gets overdrafted again. And he has a lot of injury issues, yeah. Um, you know, and all, everything else we talked about, Jake's kind of overplaying his control a little bit. Like he's been horrible this year. But in the past, he was like 3.2, 3.3 uh, walks per nine, which is fine. Um, but he's just not a guy who I feel like knows how to pitch. I think he's a little unpolished. And uh, I, I think people are just hoping for him to be an ace. And I just don't think he is. Which is kind of funny that you said that because, you know, I, I go back to pitcher list again. Nick Pollock would always talk about the Blake Snell blueprint because in 2018, what he was doing was keeping his fastballs high and his sliders low. And that was, that was carrying him. Has, has that changed? I don't know. I'm, I'm not looking at Savant right now. I should have pulled up his. I'm not good enough at, at looking at that kind of stuff to, to even know how to find that. Yeah, pictures has had him like in, in in my joke. I looked at there. Um, oh my god, his heat map on his four seam fastball is like dead center. So <laughs> this year he is not following the Blake Snell blueprint. It's because his stuff's so good. He just throws <laughs> so it I, in the middle I, of the plate. Pictures has had him ranked really highly entering the season. Uh, he so he I, I loves think, Snell. Uh, so I think maybe like his control isn't horrendous. His command is bad. His command looks real bad this year. I mean, his, his slider looks like it's it's well located, but. His changeup is is mostly uh, in the zone, which I don't know if he throws it primarily to to lefties. So I can't I can't say one way or the other. But his curveball's way down, and his fastball's dead red, dead center. So that's Jesus. probably a good indicator. And then uh, you can maybe have any Snell type feelings for uh, heading into next year. Guys who are overhyped. Yeah. Besides Blake Snell, what, what is... Julio Arias. Yeah, that was actually who I was going to say yeah. was, was Urias. I, I feel like. He is always way overhyped compared to what I think his skill level is. I liked him uh, at first because I thought Bauer was going to help him cheat and he was going to be really good like Bauer. And then <laughs> that all uh, went for naught. Another another scumbag, by the way. Do you, do you recall that he was accused of DV well, yeah. years ago? I forgot. About Nobody that. remembers that one. There's a lot of them, man. Uh, oh, man. And, there's and, there's so many. About. Oh, sorry, my bad. No, that, that, and this and this is the point, right? Like there it's, it's are forgotten so about. many it's of forgotten these about. guys. Yeah, okay. exactly. And like we're we're really gonna get all up in arms over Bauer now when the, this has been going on for years in every sport all across the world. Like yeah, all of a sudden it's Bauer. I don't get it, but these are guys who have been pampered and told that they're the 
greatest thing since sliced bread all their lives uh and and they act like it and there's a lot of garbage human beings who are professional athletes i think if, if mccullers continues what he's doing this year he might be he'll be drafted in the top 100 and he can oh, yeah. McCullers is not a bad uh and he could be a he could be a snell for next year if mccullers yeah. stays healthy all year he'll be a fourth round pick yeah and that'll be way too high you think so be yeah, because he's, he's another guy. He's another guy that there's there's always somebody that's on McCullers. It's been so long because he has he has that elite pitch, and supposedly he's he's it looks like he's added a third one to his arsenal. So that was one of the key things that he really needed to take that step. The other one is health. Yeah, I like I like McCullers a lot, but I just not for these high stakes leagues. Um, he's a fun guy. He's a fun guy to have, but. Um fourth round I, I would love him to go in the fourth round because that would mean i'm completely out on him with no um regrets exactly and yeah. i think if, if he stays healthy and pitches 160 innings he will be there perfect because then he's an easy avoid there but if he if, he, if he's like again if he, if he if he if he's proven to be another pitch and he's doing well then if he's still sitting there in the seventh eighth round then it's going to be a little bit tougher to pass up on him all right maybe we have one or two um, other guys that are just um Misses Jordan Montgomery is a guy that I want to talk about. I know, I, admittedly, I didn't do enough research on him, and he was a guy that I didn't get in on just because I didn't do enough due diligence on him. And I asked a lot of smart guys, a lot of smart players were in on him, but like it's turning out that yeah, some of the advanced stuff are still there, but he's just like he hasn't performed uh, mainly because right. he's not getting far enough, far enough into games. Um, I don't own him, so uh, admittedly, I don't have um, I haven't dove deep on him um, even this year, but um, he's just a guy that. Um, as Graham says, it's a, it's a blind spot to me. He like to use he's that a, term. He's a solid guy, but he was a guy that early on I was thinking was going to kind of take that next step up. So I was targeting him a lot early on and I have early shares and that was it. You know, as, as time went on, he began rising. And then I realized that, you know, the risk wasn't worth the possible reward with that one, but just because we hadn't seen him take a huge, I mean, 2019 was a lost year for him. And uh, which I had a decent amount. Was it was 2019 or 18. No, he got hurt in 18. So I had him in 18 a lot. And then when he got hurt, uh, took a long time to come back. Um, I was out in 20 and then I kind of was starting to get back in because the K rate returned. Uh, the Velo was fine. The control was still really good in 20. I mean, he was a sub two per nine walk rate for less than 5% walk rate. So I wanted to get in and then the price rose. So he's, I don't know, man, he, he strikes me as he's having a kind of Berrios kind of season. Cause he's not, he doesn't have like super high end stuff, but he's got good control and, and he's producing decent enough results. Remember Berrios and Burns at the beginning of the year? Like, Oh my God, these guys are both going to be like first round picks because they went like, I think they were like dueling no hitters. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, and then Berrios yeah. um, didn't continue. Um, Bar Berrios has always been one of my guys. I fade. Yep. I think I think with Montgomery, the, the a big thing is he's he typically gives up more home runs than most, and in pitching in Yankee Stadium, it's not a good park. Yeah. I think really hurts him there. Um, the the other thing is I I I like to as of now anyway. It's like I really want to focus on guys who have a. a Fastball velocity is 93 or above, hopefully above, and he's a little bit below that. Um, Lefties, I, it's a little different, but yeah. It is, yeah, a little bit. But I just feel like I need to start targeting the higher velocity guys more, and I think 
I think it does cap your your upside a bit. Um, and of course, he's not a former first round pick, so you know he's worthless. Oh, good point. <laughs> Argument over. Um, he's kind of like you kind of in that same like um, same uh, like tier as Gonsolin. Um, on the Dodgers because I get I know he got injured but I think after the injury I think people were, were had hopeful were hopeful on him but he's like it's a usage with him as well that um the the juice wasn't worth the squeeze for Gonsolin as, as it appears right now um I don't know how those guys I don't know how those two pitchers are going to fare next year in terms of like what we can expect but um I think for some reason just like the, like the, those guys are sort of darlings of the of a lot of the a lot of um good players in the high stakes world, but um, just haven't that haven't showed them any results. Gonsolin came into the year injured. Yeah. He's still hurt. It's there's it, no way I, he's not. I think that that's, that's very possible, but the thing is in this landscape where guys are getting injured more and especially with us playing 15 teamers and everything where every bench slot is precious. It's so hard to hold guys who are coming into a year injured. And Zach, you know, you and I have talked about like, the guys who started the year injured, how many of them went back on the IL after coming back? You know, like it's a very high rate of, of a repeat injury. And I just, if I can avoid that, I would rather do that. Like I'll, I'll take a guy with a bit of an injury track record over a guy who's coming in hurt. I had, I had Nola on here as someone to discuss, but you're too tired. Fucking Nola. He's <laughs> perplexing. He is very perplexing. I still like him. I mean, yeah, Nick Pollock is convinced that he every start he's just unlucky and he's going to have a monster second half. I, I, I don't see any reason why he shouldn't. I don't know exactly what's going on there. Like nothing stands out to me as like he's no. throwing his sinker less and he's throwing his his four seam more. Um, he got the Rona. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, he, he didn't he have did. it before. <laughs> I thought he. Yeah, just, I, mean, he's still, I, I thought Baum was the only one that actually got it, and the rest of them are just like. Contests. Did you did you guys yeah. read that study that story in the Athletic about the Phillies clubhouse? Mm-mm. No. Oh no. my goodness! It was some lunatic shit, like, uh, Kinsler and Gregorius, or Kinsler or somebody was talking about how oh. like. I think, I thought, I was thinking, how like the the vaccine was gonna cause like shoulder problems or something for him, so a bunch of them were like staying away from it. Go go look it up. Like the 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 uh, the vaccine takes were perplexing to me, a vaccinated individual who believes in science. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the arm you get it in will hurt for a day or two, but like right. get it in your fucking other Don't arm. Get it in your other arm. <laughs> it's ridiculous, and you know. Yeah. Get it maybe not right before you pitch. I, I don't. So did, I guess the, the story is a lot of them didn't get the vaccination, so that's why they got COVID. Is that what the moral is? Yeah, the the story in the athletic was about the outbreak, but like there were, the, uh, it seemed as though a lot of the leadership in the clubhouse were like, "Nah, man, we're shit. not getting we're not getting this shit because it's gonna like fuck me up." And I it, like one of them, I can't remember. But one of the players was like, I don't want to talk about the vaccine because of what happened to like player X, one of his teammates. Hmm. Hmm. I'll have to look at that. And then I saw um, Ellen Adair because she loves the Phillies, right? She was 
right. tweeting about how she had to reconcile the fact that her favorite pitcher, Aaron Nola, was an anti-vaxxer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, it, so Aaron Nola didn't get the vaccine. Is this is all public information? I'm pretty sure, yeah. I mean, oh, it, it's out there? Okay. I Because, uh, I mean, you, you, even if you're vaccinated, you can still contract it. So I didn't know if it was just a contact tracing kind of thing. Yeah, I didn't know either. Um, I mean, everything across the board with Nola doesn't look that bad. He's just, I don't know. He's been more hittable. His BABIP is way up. Is he a sticky uh, stuff guy, you think? I mean, it's been an all-year His control is still great. His strikeout rate is still left? very good. Like, it's it's not like there's been some change since June. Like he's been, Right. This he's been, been like this. Issue. He's been hittable despite being good everywhere else pretty much he's just been a little hittable all right so you want to, you want to, you're as way below his era i got a question to end off on i know it's i know it's late here's here's the last question jacob de that's my question no. is that a question, that's question. <laughs> the question is <laughs> jacob de Grom, is he there was not even does, an does interrogative pitch? inflection on that. does he does he pitch again this year oh god <laughs> yeah before you get into that i gotta clear this up Nola was contact tracing. Okay. 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 Jacob DeGrom's dead. <laughs> oh boy. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. I, I really need him to not pitch again for me to have a chance to pass uh, the DeGrom owner who's pretty much in first place in 90% of uh, the leagues that own him in. Cause he's just been insane. I mean, th- that's the only thing that can stop Jacob DeGrom. Yeah. Um, does he pitch again this year? Yeah, probably because it's not, it's nothing serious. He's, he's going to come back and try to pitch again. Will he get hurt again? I don't know. It's probably a bet we would take, but I, yeah, I think, I think he'll miss more starts when he comes back, but uh, I'm, 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 I know this is uh, uh, not proper to say, but I, you know, as someone who has a lot of money invested in this, I do hope he stays injured, but um, you know, that's, that's a comment on how good he is, you know, he's, uh, and I have no shares of him. So, yeah. um, but this, this, you know, I, like process wise, I'm looking at this and I'm like, I think I was right in my process to avoid him. I had no idea he would be this good. You know, like if you told me he's going to be magnitudes better than every other starting pitcher in baseball to this degree, of course I would have drafted him, but I didn't, you know, nobody thought he was going to be this good. Like we right. knew he was even, even coming in, I said, he's the best pitcher in baseball, but I didn't think there was this big of a disparity between him and Colin Bieber and everybody else. Like, right. this is crazy. I mean, that, that was crazy. the basis of our argument. Why would you take a guy that exactly. we know is probably going to have a couple things this year when there are guys that have been perfectly healthy for four, four years before that are yeah. comparable. Yeah. And, and, the, and the fact of the matter is that they, they're, they're not, not comparable. I'm with you guys on the DeGrom take. I think, I think our process was, was right. Yeah, um, I just just because of the volume of drafts I did, I did have Degrom just in my portfolio. I don't, I didn't want him in any any high money leagues, anything yeah. more than a draft champions. I wasn't taking him in. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I think he, I think the process is correct. I think that if this happened earlier in the season and he didn't get as much work in, then he wouldn't have been able to carry those teams as as heavily as he has. And yeah, like and him being this much better, I don't think anyone, I don't think anyone saw him having like a point five ERA for like. No, that's insane. It's been. I mean, this this has been the best pitching season. I mean, if if you can extrapolate this, it'll be the best season of all time, won't it? 
Yeah, if you can keep, yeah, keep pitching right. some games, but I mean, it'd have to be. He's like been untouched, and yeah, the, he's better than Doc Gooden in the '80s. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, better so than Bob Gibson before they lowered the mound. He was the perfect kind of guy to draft in like a Yahoo league where you where you have uh, IL slots and a high replacement value. But I I think doing it all over again, not knowing that he'd be this good, I I think I made the correct call in in uh, avoiding him in the first round of drafts this year. I know I I agree. Um, I think that's the right call too. I think, um, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. You, you've said it, I've said it like the, the velocity, the, the previous injury history, it just, um, it just something, something's, something's weird with him. Like in terms, like even this year, like you can't, you can't place it, but all these injuries, he said it's because of from hitting, which I don't really believe, um, entirely. Um, I think it's then, part of the problem. I think the fact that they're letting him hit is insane. Like he has such value to that team as a. I mean, when he goes up there with a bat in his hand, they're not. They can't keep him from swinging, though. I would. I'd be like, just go up there and stand there and don't. I swing. mean, they have no legal ground to do that. I mean, it's. I, like I understand they, that they can't cut him for swinging. I understand, but are they telling him not to? We if don't know. Not, I don't think they're doing their job. I, 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 Louis, I mean, Rojas has been very supportive of him. So, uh, and he's a first year manager. So it's hard to imagine him telling the best pitcher right. in the game that he's not allowed to swing, but half the not. time, half the time he generates his only offense. So like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's been that way for years too. But man, like all these, all these MRIs that he's having that's showing nothing yet. He's like still hurt and he, he knows he's hurt, but it's just yeah. such a, it's, it's, it just, it's, a lot of red flags. With if you're a Degrom owner, you, you're lying if you're saying that you're not concerned. You're either lying or you're not educated. I mean, it's one of the two. You, you, there's no way you're not concerned. Yeah, you should have been concerned since April. Yeah, precisely. But hey, you know, scoreboard says uh, we, you know, we were wrong on that, but that'll happen. You know, you gotta, you gotta just go with the process over the results. Yep. Agreed. All right, so we're we're calling this. If you guys aren't, I am. You're the one in control. I mean, it's up to you. If, if you want to finish this, I mean, we can always cut this out, but if you want to finish this off uh, without Graham, we can. Um, if you want to end it here, I don't know how long we're in. I don't All know right, later, Graham. Hey, guys. <laughs> this, was, this was a lot of fun. Until next time. Love you, buddy. Good to see you. All right, this is not going to help him for his co-hosting application. Leaving <laughs> in between a podcast. Did he hear that? He took his headphones off. I don't know. It doesn't matter. They call HR. <laughs> HR will hear about this. <laughs> the He's application gone. is rescinded. Yeah. No. We will. I'll. We'll, I'll give him. Yeah. He's definitely getting a written warning about this. <laughs> from HR from Draft Champions Podcast <laughs> HR. Actually, I'm oh, looking. For, I'm looking for. I need. We need an HR manager at HR. I, I think. I think they're gonna have their work cut out for us after or for them after this uh, episode, though. I know. Well, yeah, HR should HR should be a lot, of, a lot of fires to put out. Yeah, they'll have to be, they'll have to be the editor and take out all those uh, fun facts that are no uh, that aren't fun. <laughs> My third fun fact got canceled already. <laughs> Too fun, maybe. Yeah. So what else? What else we got to talk about here? Uh, I mean, if you want to go into the fab regrets and the, the saves, um, I think that's some interesting stuff. Okay, so yeah, fab regrets. Um, just spending too much money on fab. Um, this is my first full season um, doing fab in the NFBC, and I've spent. Oh, no shit. I didn't realize that. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's my first it full year because year, yeah. uh, last year was sort of a weird year for fab, as right. I would obviously know. But yeah, like some of the names I've listed here, like um, I'm looking at these. These are just the regrets, and most most of your fab bit, most of your fab vibes, I think, 
maybe you can agree or disagree, most of them are going to be bad buys. Uh, uh, and some, it's it plays out. It plays out pretty well. No, like the the top five guys that are added every week, usually like only two of them work out at the most. Yeah, that's anecdotal, of course, but it's been that way this year quite a bit. Uh, you can, I know, uh, uh, Rob uh, DiPietro and Todd Whitestone do do a really good breakdown of this, and they they go back and they look at the top five guys that were added, um, or top three guys maybe five or no, it's top five guys added three weeks ago. And they kind of gauge how those ads were, and it's it's been consistently bad this year. Yeah, that's that's how it feels. Maybe just because I've been adding bad players, <laughs> but yeah. um, like Julian Merriweather comes to to mind. I was um, I was gonna say mo- most most bad ad- waiver ads, and this is why I promote drafting a top closer that you can depend on, is because you spend so much, you waste so much money in Fab on closers. That you, hmm. that you wouldn't need to do this otherwise. I mean, like I'm looking at some of the guys I spent like, you know, 55 bucks on Wade Davis, uh, who's a shit pitcher. Um, $72 on Josh Stamont, you know, who ended up having the job for a couple of weeks and then got injured and lost it. And I mean, you've got on here Merriweather, who I know you guys went in on. I, I didn't get any Merriweather, but, uh, and you've got on here Fry, you've got, you know, Dolis. It's all closers, right? I mean, like yep. not all closers, but a lot of the bad pickups are closers. Think of how much money you can spend, you can save if you just get over that mental hurdle of I don't want to spend early picks in a closer. Yeah, it's and I talked about this with Graham before we started recording altogether. But um, yeah, it's like though, and if you like take Liam Hendricks, are you going to draft Liam Hendricks in the fourth round? Are you going to are you going to yep. are you going to like we you got to make the decision? Are you going are you going to forego like a Devers this year or? like a Randy Rose arena or a player with that sort of um, range of outcomes that you'd expect. But, and like, let's say like you're spending $25 of draft capital per se on Liam Hendricks and say he gets you $22, maybe he under underperforms a little bit, doesn't get you quite as many saves as he does. Doesn't, doesn't have a year like he did last year. Like, is that a, an incorrect pick when you could be spending like $25 of draft capital in rounds like 12, 15, 18 on like three, like on like Whitgren, Alvarado, like Whitgren, Neris, um, um, Amir Garrett, like the list goes on of like misses. So it's like, yeah, like you're, it's like you're, like you're, I don't, know if I don't know if you'd consider Neris a miss or not just because of like how late he went and, and getting as much out of him as you did. I mean, obviously, fair enough. I'm just throwing, I'm just throwing out names yeah. that are just like, like yeah, like, like, yeah, he's like a half a miss maybe. Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't even know at this point, but like, like taking a Hendricks and taking a Hendricks versus two of those other pitchers later on, like you're probably going to get like a lot more safer. Like you're probably going to get a lot, like in the long run, you're probably going to get a lot closer to your um, bang for your buck um, there. It's just a matter of um, it's just a matter of like what you're, what you're foregoing, to, to, to draft him, right? It's hard to draft a close that early because you're really like passing up on an elite starter or an elite bat that can maybe steal your bases. Um, but like, you got to factor in all these other quality, qual- uh, qualitative factors, such as like the fab you're going to spend, like you mentioned, um, um, just like, w- like in like the, in like the inconsistency of like results from the other closes that you're going to get. So those are all like, it's like, it's, it's like opportunity cost, right? Yeah. And I think, <laughs> I think uh, the difference in, I've been having this 
argument, discussion, whatever you want to call it with people for years. But the problem is that people look at closers as one whole position, like as if they're all the same, they're all volatile. And it's not true. If you look at the top guys who have done it for, who have the closing experience, who have the skills, who are healthy, uh, you know, who aren't like 35 years old plus, like these guys work out at a high rate, like the Hendricks, the Hayter, uh, the Rizal Iglesias, the Rolls Chapman, like these guys are very safe and people, and, and be, the problem is that then the next tier gets shoved up where people are taking guys who aren't, don't even actually have the job. Like uh, I've used the example of Pomeranz. I saw going, uh, you know, even in like the top 10 or 12 at one point, they never named him the closer. And you're taking this guy like that high and you're like, well, you know, he was ranked highly by Eno or by whoever else. And it's like, you can't do that. You, you, there's such a big difference between a guy who's, who's got the experience and the skills and whose managers backing him, like saying, this is our closer. Those guys have a lot of value. And I think that the difference between even like in a round of after those guys are gone to the next tier is massive. And that's where the problem is, is people are investing in that next tier where it's kind of just all a crapshoot. Those guys going in the next tier aren't any uh, much safer than guys going several rounds later than them. And people act like the whole position is just a crapshoot. And they're like, well, what about Edwin Diaz in 2019 when he had a 5.6 ERA? Okay. He had a 2.6 Sierra. Okay. Like, yes, he had a bad ERA. Uh, it's a small sample size when you're a relief pitcher and, you know, he got unlucky. He had a, you know, two and a half home run per nine rate, which was absurd. You know, like, and the thing is, he still had 26 saves. So like, this is considered a bust but you're getting 26 saves that still has value. So those top guys are not getting drafted high enough in my opinion. And so I, I do see taking guys like, like Hendricks and Hayter Chapman in the fourth round is a massive value. And I think that's where people miss because they don't understand that that is a big value there. I think people that disagree with, with that sentiment would also point to 2020 and how many top closers flamed out due to injury ineffectiveness, loss of role, what have you. But as, as we all know, and I've even said it on this pod already, it's, it was an anomalous year. Things were completely off the wall. So it's not a really good, uh, it's, it's certainly not a control good barometer kind of year. Yeah. It's not, it's not a control group. It's not a good barometer. Um, the fact of the matter is saves are a much trickier game than drafting pretty much any, st- any other statistic, any other category. Um, because there's only one type of player. There's only one type of player that can get you those. And they are a very finite amount. Even if you're drafting a guy like a Hendricks in the fourth round this year, and he performs at a level where he's giving you maybe an eighth round value, ninth round value. It's still a win because he's for the, he's likely kept the job most of the year. If not all his ratios may have been a little down, but he's still getting you 35 saves because he, he was paid to have that role and he was going to execute that role unless he flamed out. The majority of the guys that you're drafting at that range are going to at least provide you with a decent amount of value. It might not be the value you paid for them, but as we've said, there are other residual costs that will come along with missing on closers. And I've dealt with that in a number of my leagues this year where I didn't get that Hendricks guy. I you know, ended up with uh, Trevor Rosenthal in my main against my wishes and that was a complete miss. And then I was scrambling from the word go this year. Mm. 
So well. wasting money, wasting money on closers is on a, a lot of times on hopeful closers is a lot of times a fool's errand. Yeah. You're better off, you know, taking the guy that's spend uh, the draft capital instead of that. Fab. Yeah, exactly. You, you don't want to be spent factors. You don't want to be spending $300 on a guy that got two saves out the gate and looks like he's going to have the job. And then it's an unstable situation and things happen. And how many, or he's, how many, in, he's in one of the many bullpens this year whose managers have yeah. decided to, to be just complete committee, full-blown committee, and just give the job around willy-nilly throughout the entire bullpen like the Rays or like the Phillies. I mean, Phillies was more due to ineffectiveness, but uh, Matheny in, in Kansas City, he's, he's passed the job around throughout the entire bullpen the entire year, and a number of guys didn't perform that poorly. Like Stallman, he got injured. He came back. He was fine, but he was pitching in the sixth inning all of a sudden. So, so I was, I was going to say, we came up with like a list of like what 10 managers that have yeah. just completely dicked around with their closer situation. Brandon Hyde. And a lot of times for no good reason, like, like sometimes, you know, with Girardi, for example, like he, he's had a lot of underperformance from his relievers where he's had to make switches constantly. Yeah. But he's he usually have, a one guy and one. Closer he wants player. to have a closer, but he's just correct. Sucks. Yeah, exactly. That that's 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 not what we're talking about. We're talking about the guys, you know, like Brandon Hyde in in Baltimore. You know, guys who they've got a guy who's pitching really well, and then they just don't stick with someone. And so, like, you see a guy with get a couple saves, and you're like, oh, uh, looks like he's the closer. I'm going to spend 150 dollars in fab on him, and then they go to someone else or the clown himself, David Bell in Cincinnati. I mean, oh, who, the the fuck knows, who the fuck knows what he's doing? You know, look like how good was his he doesn't. Been? Uh, yeah, he doesn't fucking know. How, how good had Hembry been? He had like what six six out of six saves. Like looked really good. I wish what's happening to Trevor Bauer. Did they just give Garrett save ups? I wish yeah. what's happening to Trevor Bauer is happening to David Bell instead. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> he, uh, he, yeah, he is a he, very bad. I hope. Player. I wish they put him on commissioner's leave and not Trevor <laughs> Bauer. <laughs> He's the worst, and uh, our friend Marcus just hates him so much. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He just we just use a clown emoji for him in our text. Kansas, uh, Kansas City, Cincinnati, and um, one of them. Um, I mean, you know, you've got the Rays who can't stick with anybody. Uh, you've got Kapler in San Francisco who you can't trust. You've got Cash, uh, Matheny. I thought you could trust, which is why I invested in Stallman. I was like, you know, he's got the he's got the stuff, he's got the velocity, but um, you know, they've they've fucked around there. I mean, they they don't have a closer, and I don't, I don't have any interest in guessing who they're going to go to for their next save at any given moment. Um, you know, Man- Montoyo in, in Toronto a little bit, like kind of between Merriweather and Romano, you, you didn't really know which direction they were going. Um, and uh, Cervais in uh, Seattle kind of goes back and forth between guys. Uh, like Graveman's mostly the closer, but he doesn't get every op. Uh, they're just – there's so many situations that you have no idea what guys are doing. So with closers, I think the, the hardest thing about it is it's not an evergreen like topic because like you can talk about in the, in the NFBC drafts, like starting pitching and how you need to draft it early, but closers, like if you're drafting them early, like if you want to Liam Hendricks, you're going to, you're going to pass on an, an elite something else because you're yeah. going to forego something. But then, then, then it's going to make it very difficult to like to win an overall. And that, in that case, but also like it's sort of like so that that, that would make you want to draft um, closers later in an overall. But it's sort of like a paradox because in a standalone league, you want to wait on closers, too, because they're not as valuable. Right. So it's sort of like, you know what I mean? It's sort of a paradox because 
it's hard to win an overall when you're when you're foregoing the, those elite players in, in the first couple of rounds. But it's also why you draft in closers early in a standalone because you don't necessarily need saves. So it's like when do you draft closers early and when do you when do you wait on closers? And I think what I, what I mean by that it's evergreen is it it's like it this like saves comes down to more player analysis versus strategy than any other concept in Roto because it's always like it's always going to depend from year to year. Like, do you want to jump in early? It's going to depend. Like this year, it was better to jump in early in hindsight, I believe. But like it has been years where all the top closers get injured and then it's not better to, to jump in early. Well, I, I don't know. I, I feel like the injury thing, any position group can have. True. Any, yeah. Anytime. Like, I don't think it's any higher at closer than it is anywhere else. And in my opinion, because you can't win an overall punting any category, you have to have that those closers like like you said in a standalone league you, you you can win without being good in saves and that's fine so you can adjust your uh strategy based on what type of league you're in if there's an overall component i am using a, a top pick on a closer i will forego that elite bat or elite starter and just you know take them around later i'll, I'll it's just about finding that guy uh, slightly after that. Um, and I, I, you can do that and still win. You can't win without a clo- without saves. Correct. I mean, it, it's sorry, Zach. It's, oh, it's like you're talking about foregoing an elite player. And, and as Dave said, you just take that guy a little later. And what, as we talked about already, closers, there, there is a, a large amount of finality. There's, there's a dearth of that position you can't just take a bunch of late shots on relievers and hope that it pans out. If you don't take, I mean, it, it could, and people will point to the one or two times that they've done it. And <laughs> I mean, it was that's successful. How, that's how Rob won the overall, but uh, that's, it is. Not, that's not a recipe. It works out. It does general. work out sometimes. It works out sometimes. Uh, you know, it was a, a kind of a crazy year and, and sometimes it works out or they'll point to like Fernando Rodney in like 2014 or whatever, when the Rays made him the closer and he had like 47 saves, you know, it happens, but you can take, a couple extra outfielders and keep rotating them constantly and hit on one or two to make up for that void that you left by not taking a, you know, a Teoscar Hernandez in the fifth round when you took Chapman or something like that. It's really hard to keep rotating closers because the guys that you're going to want to keep rotating, they cost 70, 90, 150, $400. And you can't do that. I mean, you can, you can keep, if this is how Phil Dessau does it with offense he rotates those hitters he's constantly blowing through them and getting them at cheap prices now we don't have all we don't all have the analytical skills in the system that he does but the fact of the matter remains that it's a lot easier to keep cycling through guys at other positions to get something that sticks and hits for a little while as opposed to closers that's a good point in terms of the draft it's like in, in these drafts especially to win an overall in any of these overall competitions, you got, you got to hit bingo on somewhere. Um, yeah. And then if, if you, if you want to do like, you, you mentioned Rob last year, like um, he hit on closers late. Like I think he got Presley, um, I believe late yep. this year would have been like an Alex Reyes. And, yep. and you gotta, you gotta bingo. You, you'd have to bingo like um, two or three closers, depending on how much you punt saves in the early rounds. And all you need to do is really bingo guys that are going to get like the Blancins and the Reyes whatever. Right. And you don't have to like, they don't have to be, they just need to get getting you saves. But if you, if you, if you, if you go the Liam Hendricks hater route, 
um, like um, Zimmerman was doing a lot this year. He was going heavily on closers. You really, really need to like, not only do you need to bingo like your hitters or pitchers that you forgot that you, that you um, passed up instead of those hitters, you really need to bingo. You need to hit like your Trevor Rogers, Freddie Peralta's. You need to like bullseye them. Right. Um, in, in the later rounds. So I mean, it's like, it's a hitter. It's a, it's a give I, and take. I don't know if you have to get that elite guy necessarily. I mean, it, you know, my auction in 2019, I didn't, uh, my back end guys, they just, a lot of them became serviceable and I was able to use them for a good amount of time. And then I was able to cycle through them. I don't, I mean, I hit Devers, but he was, you know, I only, I spent like nine bucks on him. So that was one guy that I got in the mid rounds, but you know, a lot of my guys that I hit on were, you know, a $2 auction, yeah, way. my auction was a $2 Zach Eflin or a $2 Matt Boyd where they were good for a little while, but then you couldn't use them. So I, it doesn't always work out that you have to have a, a, a number of elite guys that you hit really late. No. Fair. I mean, so, but then you can say the same thing with closers. You don't, that's you can, true. Like closers can be good for um, a small period of time and then you can just move on to the next one. You just have to keep hitting it's on just more expensive. Yeah. That's the yes, main truth. That gets more expensive. Yeah. So it's really something that's like this, you can, we could debate this forever. It's like really sure. a tough, it's really a tough thing to know about. That's what makes Roto so hard. And people say, Oh, let's get rid of saves because they're becoming more like, you. but like, <laughs> that, that's what, that's what makes this game so challenging because everyone's dealing with the same conundrum. Yeah. Right. And that's, and that's, and that's why I don't want it to change is that that's part of the challenge for me. And I'm part of the puzzle that I like to try to solve. And I, I have, um, I, I've, kept track of my success over the years and hitting on closers and I I'm significantly better than the market is I'm like I think a lot of guys just kind of take shots based on rankings and, and skills and I, I look at other things that I think give me a little bit of an edge there so I really don't want saves to go away um, like I'm not saying that there haven't been teams that I've struggled with saves on before like last year I had Kirby Yates in, in the main event uh, and that obviously did not go very well like a rose this year yeah, exactly. Um, and like Jake said, we didn't really want any part of Rosenthal because, I mean, I loved Rosenthal in 20, uh, 2020 um, because he was under the radar and nobody really knew that he was the closer. Uh, you know, I kind of figured out that he was. But coming into this year, you're, you're, you're getting him at his high watermark. We have to really pay up for him. <clears throat> this is a guy with a track record of injuries. Uh, he's older. Um you know, it, it seemed like a bad investment. Um, and I'm not trying to say that, like, those of you who drafted him, that I don't think it was a stupid pick. I just, it's not, it's one that I tried to avoid this year. Um, for me, I, I just need that one closer. I don't need to take two like Zimmerman did. I don't need to go double up on Hader and Hendricks. I'm not saying it's the wrong play, but I think you do need to get that one. And then, Usually I feel pretty good about a couple of closers in the middle to late rounds that I, I think if I take two to three shots on them, I can get my closer too. And I'm, I'm comfortable with that. Uh, but I do need that one that I know I can depend on. And I think that is in any league with a, an overall component, I think you need that. Right. That makes sense. I think, I think, I think I'm more inclined to agree with what you're saying, like in terms of which way I'm going to lean for next year. So I think I, I think I do I think I do share your thoughts on that. I'm just trying I'm just in this conversation I'm trying to play both sides of it and trying to give sort of play yeah. devil's advocate both ways. But I think if I do have to um, 
if I do have to choose like what side I'm going to lean towards right now, and this could change, I think I'm leaning towards the same side you're leaning towards. I mean, and, you know, it's, it's fun to talk about this stuff because it's, it's, I'm not trying to say that there's uh, one correct answer. And obviously you can, you can take, you can win on closer. And if you hit on your guys, you hit on your guys. Uh, I just think that the problem with that method is that you're then opening yourself up to the possibility that you're not competitive in saves and then you are done in the overall, you have zero chance, you know, like our, our friend Tony has a, his, his main event team that he did it on his own. Um, he's so far behind in saves that he punted it. So he knows that he has zero chance to win the overall. And that doesn't mean he can't still place in his league and all that stuff, but you don't play in an overall to win a league. You play in an overall to go for the overall. And so you're just taking an immense risk by not investing in uh, a good closer. Agreed. Boys, want to call it? All right. I think we covered everything kind of, we rolled it all into one. Yeah, yeah we I think we I think we rolled fab and closers into the into a good conversation at the end there. So I think this was good. I don't I don't think we need to edit out anything that we've said the entire podcast. <laughs> Absolutely not. Anything we anything we've said maybe. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Yeah, no, just, actually, I, I, I take I'm that just, back. Don't leave it all in. I take that back. Okay. That's why I'm, that's that's why I want you guys here. I want your advice, and not only in fantasy baseball, but in terms of life and podcasting, and what to leave in and what to leave out. Mm-hmm. And um, I respect I respect your opinion, and I I will probably you want edit. you want my opinion on what to say and not to say. Yeah, <laughs> I do. He has a lot of experience. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care what other people think about what I you know. say or not. I think I, I I'm just uh, I'm. I'm making my own assessment, so I'm not going to, I'm just poking uh, some fun at myself. I'm not going to, I'm not going to adhere to ADP on your, on people, on how people feel about Dave McDonald. Appreciate you. It's a tool. It's just a, it's just a, it's just a tool, not Dave, but the, the... <laughs> <laughs> Oh Lord. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good close Zach. If you do the search bar thing and you type in letters to find people, um, run DMCD. <laughs> <laughs> that's me and then um the dust mite at Boom. the dust mite and uh you can also find us on our podcast the uh, high stakes rotosaurus high stakes heats um and uh i'm attempting to write articles for fan crafts. uh i've written one so far i've got uh, about 30 that i i've been writing parts of and i need to just turn them out here yeah dude process of elimination i know All right. Well, thanks again, guys. And we'll um, talk to each other later.